It's time for Twit This Week in Tech. We got a great panel for you. Some of my best friends in the business. Larry Maggot is here from ConnectSafely.org. Our good friend Will Harris. His new Unbound books are hysterical. And Denise Howell, formerly of This Week in Law. She's got a new show to announce. We'll talk about quarterly earnings from some of the biggest businesses in tech. I give you a hint. Not a great quarter. Elon Musk is off the hook. And ChatGPT comes to Bing. It's all coming up next on Twin. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Twit. This Week in Tech. Episode 913. Recorded Sunday, February 5th, 2023. Impractical Shorts. This Week in Tech is brought to you by Miro. Miro is your team's visual platform to connect, collaborate, and create together. Tap into a way to map processes, systems, and plans with the whole team. And get your first three boards for free to start creating your best work yet at Miro.com slash podcast. And by ExpressVPN. Stop handing over your personal data to Internet service providers. For three extra months free with a one-year package, go to expressvpn.com slash twit. Thanks for listening to this show. As an ad-supported network, we are always looking for new partners with products and services that will benefit our qualified audience. Are you ready to grow your business? Reach out to advertise at twit.tv and launch your campaign now. It's time for Twit This Week in Tech, the show where we cover the week's tech news. I look forward to every Sunday because I put together a panel of my friends. <laughs> it's really just a chance for me to sit down and talk to people I miss and adore, like Denise Howell from This Week in Law, a longtime host on Twits. Great to see you, Denise. It's so good to see you. Thank you so much for having me. I'll tell you how long it's been. I'm thanking you for your Christmas card. Yes. <laughs> but it was a Indeed. great Christmas card. I love it. And I can't believe your son is 19 now. I oh know. I gosh. can't either. Oh and gosh. yet we're somehow aging backward and not yeah, changing we're not at getting all, any so. older. <laughs> yeah. But it just shows you how long we've been doing this. First twit was 2005. So that's 18 years. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, when we started working together, he was just a toddler, right? Yeah. Yeah, Amazing. he was. I've known Will Harris pretty much as long as well. He is now the CEO of Unbound, which is an amazing publisher. Hello, Will. Hello. It is great to be back from the other side of the pond. Staying up late. I, uh, you're, you're making me feel decisive, decidedly old because that was... Sheesh, I was in my 20s when we started working together. That's amazing. Now I've, I've How many not, companies not of yours have 40s. I been through? <laughs> Quite a few startups. You are the serial entrepreneur. I have many of your books right here. Uh, these are unique, like things I learned from Mario's butt, which is, believe it or not, a walk through gaming critiques of butt pictures just great just great butts great butts from different games and what you can learn from the philosophy of how we do game design and character design like raiden um, so and metal into- gear solid maybe we're gonna get a hard r for this wow yeah. <laughs> so you'll get some wow. some good stuff there we publish quite a lot of um 
of sort of nerd geek culture stuff. So there's um, if you're if you're a fan of nerd geek culture, there's some good stuff at Unbound.com. Oh, I'm loving these, and you kind of it's like a Kickstarter, right? You they fund them. Uh, so that, and then we produce them and, and print them. them, and you do, and you know, even though the name is unbound, they are actually beautifully produced. They're beautifully bound. These are not <laughs> cheap books. These are nice books. No, yeah, and we have one coming out later this year, which is um, a posthumous, a posthumous collection of all of Douglas Adams's writing. Oh yes, you told um, us about that last time. I'm from excited. His, from his what office. Is, so. What is the status on that? Yeah, I'm excited. So about it's that. it's now I think close to manuscript being done. But if I say that out loud, I might get shot. So let's let's pretend I didn't say that. But it will be it will be here in the autumn. Oh, that's exciting. That's really exciting. These are these are. It's probably going to be the last published works of Douglas mm. Adams, right? Yeah, there's not. I mean, I, unless you know some trove of stuff, stuff comes. No, up. this is this is the trove, Leo. We've got the trove. <laughs> uh, notes from his office that were just left on his desk and things like that. Um, I can't wait. And All you, sorts of half-written emails and correspondence and wedding speeches, and I mean, it's it's hilarious. And of course, the best name, forty-two. Right? What a perfect name for that. So Ken John Davies put that together. The edits are done. You can still pre-order. Uh, just go to unbound.com if you want to uh, get in line. And we actually had a um, a really good um, little bump over Christmas because if you've seen the new um, Knives Out movie. Yes. The Glass Onion with Ryan Johnson. Loved it. Um, the, the Daniel Craig character is uh, reading one of our books in the bath. No. <laughs> That's where he's doing the we Zoom a- call. He's playing uh, Among Us. Yeah. And so we have a um, we we have a book called Kane's Jawbone, which is an incredible um, murder mystery where all the pages are printed out of order, and you have to tear all the pages out of the book and then reassemble them all in the right order to work out who done it. I saw so that. It's a very sort of knives out. I didn't realize it. That I saw him reading that. I noticed that he was reading that it's by Torquemada, and I noticed yep. that as well. Uh, I didn't realize it was yours. Well, that's nice. That's really nice. Yeah. So that's so Kane's Jawbone is, is well worth a read if you've got a spare weekend and fancy a bit of puzzling. Wow. Also with us uh, to celebrate, by the way, from ConnectSafely.org, the wonderful Larry Maggot. Hello, Larry. Hey, Leo. And by the way, I, I get my hair dye from Anderson Cooper, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not really as old as I look. You I'm look actually in my just 30s like and, Anderson. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> What are we celebrating? We're celebrating Safer Internet Day. Is that right? Yeah, it's Tuesday, and it's a, a global thing all over the world. The, uh, Connect Safely is the host here in the U.S., and we've been doing it since 2014. We had Kamala Harris at one of our events. We had Chuck Schumer. We had superintendents of schools. But this year, and we talked about this last time I was on your show, we funded a bunch of schools to do their own events. So, And it really worked out well. We're going to reach 25,000 students you know, nationwide by giving some money to educators to do their local events. But people here can still participate. We've got a live virtual event on Tuesday, the uh, the 7th at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, that we are co-hosting with the National PTA. Uh, really great for parents. And the other thing we've done is we put together a ton of videos at saferinternetday.us, or you can go to Connect Safely and find the link there to saferinternetday.us. A ton of videos with like the a chief scientist of the American Psychological Association talking about mental health and well-being and, um, you know, folks from the uh, Cyberbullying Research Center and 
uh, one of the that in fact that's a picture of uh, Britton Heller, who's an expert on the vet on the metaverse. Uh, just a ton of videos, and the idea is that families can watch these videos or have conversations Tuesday night. Uh, we give you discussion points. It's internet in a box. Those are our sponsors. Uh, so it's um, an opportunity just to talk about. You know, are you spending too much time online? Are you spreading misinformation? Are you forgetting to watch Twitch? I mean, all, all important things that everybody Twit. should be. Don't watch Twitch, kids. Watch Twitch. Did kids. I say Twitch? <laughs> watch Twitch. 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 Actually, Twitch is one of our. Twitch sponsors. is one of your sponsors. So I, I'll give. Yeah. I'll let you go. This, by yeah. the way, is an unbound book that maybe Connect Safely should get called Taming yeah. Gaming: Guide Your Child to Healthy Video Game Habits. Uh, That's exactly the type of stuff we publish. Although yeah. we do, our guides are much shorter than that. This is nice, and we have quick guides that are that are two pages long, and longer guides that are about eight pages, but. We haven't done books yet, but you know, and there's a and there's a section in there about what's legal and what's illegal on the internet. So you've got like a whole sort of synergistic circle of twit hosts this afternoon. I love this on between law, between safety, between publishing. Where we've got it all covered. We, we're got it covered. This is uh, the uh, Animal Crossing. So you, this actually has game recommendations and then pros and cons, what ages it's for, stuff like that. This is yeah. the Animal Crossing page, which is a great. Well, we, you should idea. send me a review copy. We, we we review books occasionally. I'll hook you up. I know the publisher. Yeah, hook me up. You know the <laughs> publisher. But anyway, so everybody should tune in. Should go to saferinternetday.us. The don't go to the org unless you want the international event. But the US event is dot us nice. and um, tune in on Tuesday night and have a conversation at home. I mean, whether you use our materials or not, if you got kids. Ask them what their favorite game is. Ask them what their favorite apps them. are. Just talk don't to them. Don't lecture them. Don't yeah. make it an inquisition. Just and, and by the way, ask them about privacy and security. They might not only surprise you how much they know, they might actually know more than you do. Uh, it, it, you'd be surprised how smart. Denise, you've got a, a, an older teenager, and uh, my guess is that he's probably pretty savvy when it comes to security and privacy, at least the privacy that matters to him. Absolutely. They either know everything or they think they do. Right. <laughs> he, he probably had, knows about privacy, like keeping you from knowing what he's doing. I mean, that's probably important to him. At least it is to a lot of teenagers. Uh, we were yeah, talking somewhat. About but fortunately, we have a pretty open Good. back and forth bet, on that kind of thing. I bet you have a great Yeah, I'm uh, sure you do. And that's important. Dialogue. That's yeah. really important. We, yeah, when uh, my daughter was probably in fifth grade, she was really into something called Neopets, which is still around. And uh, I mean, this is 20 years ago 25 years ago and uh, i said well now honey you know when you're online you have to really be careful to be private not mention once she said dad i'm a 32 year old guy from detroit who drives a camaro you don't have to worry (laughs) (laughs) oh good that's that's good thinking uh but she also does something that now may be uh illegal i don't know i'm gonna have to ask our uh, internet attorney Netflix, she has my Netflix password. She's in my family. She lives a few miles away. Netflix used to say, here's a tweet from Netflix from 2017. Love is sharing a password. I took Netflix. Whoa. I know. I took I took Netflix. Whoa. Yeah, right? That's only five years ago, six years ago. That's uh, not unreasonable to think that maybe they approved of it. God knows I'm paying enough for that, you know, multi- user multi-streams thing netflix actually got in a little hot water because uh, it leaked out what they're because uh, they've been trying this uh, internationally but hadn't done anything about password sharing in the u.s their potential plan uh, for password sharing leaked out this week to an internet furor um it, this was on the uh, help center page it said uh 
among oh now now I have to get now I've retracted it by the way it said Netflix account is for people who live together in a single household mm-hmm. All right people who do not live in your household which my daughter does not will need to use their own account and then they furthermore said we are going to require that they check into your locale at least once a month uh what does check in mean yeah but yeah. people have vacation homes and that's the problem or you travel <clears throat> You know, well, I don't think they yeah. enforce that. So, so much for being a digital nomad. Yeah, right. Uh, the up, update to the plans was met with significant backlash. Apparently, a yep. number of people sufficient to scare Netflix. Because uh, by Thursday, they responded and said, oh, uh, that was an accident. We didn't. <laughs> for a brief time yesterday, a Help Center article containing information that is only applicable to Chile, Costa Rica, and Peru <laughs> went live in other countries. We, we've updated it. What have they got against those guys? Screw the Chileans. Yeah, screw the Chileans. So in those countries, they've been testing something called page sharing, where if they notice that you're sharing your password, a thing pops up on the screen and says, oh, I see you're sharing. Well, you no problem, but you're going to have to pay an extra $2.99 uh, for that. Yeah. For have, you ever added up how much you, have you ever added up your streaming bill and oh, compared God. it to the old cable bill? Oh, I think it's, it's much worse more. than the old cable bill. Oh, it's much yeah. more. In fact, yeah. well, I mean, this is all calculated. I got to point out. First of all, the cable companies knew this was going to happen. They've raised their internet rates gradually to the to the mm-hmm. point of nosebleed because they knew that people would still need internet if they're going to cut the cord and uh and meanwhile the the cord cutting services have raised their rates i uh i was going to use youtube tv right. until it got to 65 bucks a month for basic cable comp comparable basic and that's the same price plus now i yeah, pay for 20 bucks more for 4k what's it like in the uk Oh man, so it's I would say it's 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 not too bad in the UK. So obviously we sort of pay the compulsory um BBC license fee. Still? Which is, do they have little vans going oh, yeah. around town looking for unlicensed television sets? The fans the the vans don't exist. The vans are a, a prop they're prop I was going to say propaganda, they're propaganda. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the vans never have existed. Um There never but, were those um, vans. EV, please. No, they've got no idea. You're in a block of flats. They've got no idea which one person in a block of flats. But it was propaganda the BBC or propaganda yeah. oh, yeah, that the BBC promoted. Um, so we have that. We have, you know, Disney is not too expensive. You know, you pay sort of, I guess, the equivalent of like 10 bucks for that, sort of 15 bucks for Netflix. Um, the digital only version of Sky, which is kind of the closest thing we've got to cable here, is is sort of twenty five bucks maybe. Um, what absolutely blew my mind is um, I just subscribed to um, American Hulu for the upcoming, you know, March Madness in America. The- we just call that Hulu. Just so you know. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No. But so there isn't. So there isn't a British Hulu. I subscribe to American Hulu. Okay. It was like sixty-five bucks a month, and I was like, "Sheesh." Yeah. Oh never, yeah. For the you know. But that's because you're and getting. And all I do is watch one channel. I watch one. A, I, I watch streaming. ESPN, and that's it. But it's it's the same you, thing if you're Google TV. Basically, yeah. it's a it's a ca- basic cable. Basically, yeah. they've just taken yeah. it over. Yeah. I've got direct TV. It's similar. Yeah. 
Right, but didn't DirecTV just lose the football? You know, yeah, I mean, they I did. Football. I guess where I think Amazon has it now. No, yeah. no, Google, no, not Amazon. Google bought Google. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the good news is that I've got all of those services, and that's why I don't have any money left at the end of the month. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's a uh, it's a leak in the in the bank account, a big hole in the really? bank. Account. No kidding. So I think Netflix might still go ahead with this, but it's good that they had such a uh, strong reaction to it that they had to say, "Oh no, that was Chile. That was Costa Rica." But in the meantime, they're cutting back on yeah. their production. You know, there are less original series coming out. Uh, I mean, I was watching a, sh- a, a video, a podcast about this, a listening podcast yesterday about how Netflix is really trying to go on the cheap and they're not going to be investing in as much great content as they had in the past. So, I mean, they're just learning the more. really hard way that, you know, quality content costs lots and lots and lots it and does. lots of money <laughs> and it's cheaper to make reality. And that's why, you know, cable went so heavily reality mm-hmm. and why Netflix was so refreshing because refreshing of all the premium content. But right. And, of course, you know, it's now nosedived in the wrong direction. But it seems like that's just sort of one of a number of tech companies this week that are all just having an absolute nightmare with sort of with money, right? Mm-hmm. Well, look at uh, Discovery, uh, Time Warner, whatever the hell. I can't keep track of it. But the yeah. <laughs> the owners of HBO uh, have basically uh, moved stuff off of HBO, selling it to Free TV and Tubi. Um, <gasps> it, it's Listen, Pluto TV. Pluto, yeah. Oh, those are ad supported, so they have. They oh, but they ads like every three minutes of a yeah. ten minute advertisement. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah, I mean, how much they inundate you with ads on some of those those channels? So is this? Well, you can guarantee that you can guarantee that that YouTube um, sixty bucks a month is going to be going up with a football because YouTube is down what eight percent this quarter in the Google earnings. So you're still going to get just to be clear. Don't mean to scare people. Next season, when it starts in August, you will still get your local football games. Those will be broadcast on broadcast television. But if you the DirecTV had this NFL Sunday ticket package where you right. could see all the games on a Sunday, and uh, they were paying a billion and a half dollars a year for it, it really was a money loser. The whole idea with DirecTV is, oh, you know, we'll get all these new subscribers and that'll make up the cost of this, and they just it just didn't pencil out. Uh, it was so, also a terrible experience. That Sunday ticket, the way that they framed everything, was just like was awful to watch. Really? How do you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, uh, are you getting American Hulu again? <laughs> I, uh, you know, sometimes you stay in the U.S. and you see these things on a Sunday. You know, so YouTube. When I'm located in a hotel in New York, YouTube got a seven-year deal, more than or a little more than two billion dollars a season. Two billion dollars a season, which is less than the NFL wanted. They wanted two and a half. Uh, but seven years, that's a good deal. And why would YouTube do it? Because you will have to pay extra. So they will have subscriptions. And they're hoping that what it'll do is drive new users to YouTube TV, which is, I mean, to be fair, is a pretty good system. I like YouTube TV a lot. And then that they'll have the upsell. They do a lot of upselling on YouTube TV, by the way. You can get HBO and Showtime and everything, but you have to pay extra. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Sunday tickets starting in the, in the late summer. Will now be on YouTube. Apple was in the uh, running for this. In fact, Apple really wanted it, but uh, didn't. Can you, can you didn't pay to just get the, t- the the football, or do you have to get the whole YouTube package to get it? Uh, I think everyone's waiting to find that out. I, I think don't think YouTube they've said officially announced it. Right mm-hmm. now, it's believe it or not, three to four hundred dollars a season for the uh, 
Sunday ticket. Um, I'm going to guess since the NFL probably gets a portion of that, that that's not going to go away. YouTube, though, Google could subsidize it, right? Although, given that they just fired 12,000 people, I don't think YouTube, I mean, Google is really in the mood to subsidize anything, including a lot of their own stuff. Uh, Verily, uh, Jigsaw, which was their kind of pro bono stuff, all suffering massive cuts. Even Area 120, which was Google's Blue Sky R&D, almost all of it cut to the bone in these latest layoffs. So all yeah. of these companies have decided, uh, at least for now, let's not spend any more than we have to. Which got to hurt if you just found out that the parent company just gave DirecTV $2 billion a year for uh, for football games. YouTube ad revenue. You, Alpha did, uh, Alphabet did put out its uh, its earnings. This, in fact, this is the week of uh, earnings for a lot of tech companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they missed their Q4 earnings estimates. But the big one is YouTube ad revenue dropping 8%. Wow. Uh, not YouTube TV. Which that's YouTube proper. So ad revenue was $8.2 billion for the most recent quarter. Um. And that's a you know my favorite my drop. favorite stat in all the um, in all the cost reductions is that Google has so much office space for the, so many people that it sacked so many people that the reduction in office space is going to cost them five hundred million dollars in yeah. just this first quarter oh. of the year. What do you mean? So like getting smaller is going to cost them five hundred million. <laughs> Why is it going to cost them money? Doesn't it? Because you have to you have to pay off all the leases. Oh, they're the, paying off the, the leases. leases that you're closing. It's a, yeah. it's a great time to get used office furniture. So there's a there's this place on in Palo Alto oh. where they sell yeah. chairs that are normally five hundred dollars, one hundred and fifty <laughs> bucks because they're all former Google chairs. There's thousands <laughs> of them out there. I used to be friends with a guy who founded Repo Depot. Yes, I remember that guy. I remember him. <laughs> yeah, you I would know flying, him. He was a pilot. What's yeah. his name? He, oh, I've he was a, I went name. flying with him one day. Nice guy. Yeah. He used to be Ron. Yeah. Um, Ron something. He used to Ron, be. On, yeah. He used to be on my show yeah. all the time doing uh, gadgets right. and stuff. Is he um, still alive? Is he still with us? I don't know. I don't. I don't. Know. Even, I haven't been in touch with him in years. Anyway, sorry, but Repo Depot. Well, it was a <laughs> Repo Depot. We when WeWork was closing down, that was a good time to get office furniture. Um, and, but with the, the cuts at the cuts at Google, the cuts at Twitter, the cuts going on, you know, Amazon everywhere at the moment. If you if you want some stuff for your work from home setup, now is the time to be doing it. Yeah, his name is Ron Rosberg, and I'm just trying to find, Ron Rosberg. Yeah, I'm trying to find yeah. out if he's dead yet. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Before we pivot completely away from <laughs> yes, get back please uh, from yes. popular sports. Ron is still with us. Things. Thank you very much. Hey. Oh, good. Perfect. Sorry, Ron. Yeah, I didn't take a drink. To, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. There's a um, a point I wanted to make about, you know, people get, have been used to watching sports on their cable or their satellite TV. And now that's going to be on these streaming services that they have to log into if they're not at their home location. Mm. And just like you don't attach your phone to a rental car, remember to log out if mm. you're traveling somewhere and you've logged into one of these services because I can tell you that when I didn't remember Uh-oh. to log out, Uh-oh. no, nothing bad happened. But I, st- you know, the the place where I was staying, um, the staff generally uses the room oh, where where okay. my husband and I were sleeping, and uh, I think it was the chef actually who uses Honey, the room. 
What are all these yeah. porn movies charged on your bill for? Actually, it was so cute. It there was no porn. Um, it was all like soothing jazz <laughs> music. Honey, <laughs> why are you listening to soothing jazz in a hotel? <laughs> yeah, I, I had to. I had to log out remotely to turn off the soothing jazz. The, I, you know, I I, I always paranoid because that actually is a feature I like in hotels now. Is you can often mm-hmm. sign into your own stuff, right? And and use your own accounts, which is really much better than any of the options normally, you know, that they offer in hotels. And I always am paranoid about that, Denise. And most of the time, I check, and it says we will log you out when you check out. But mm-hmm. golly, if yeah. they don't, that wouldn't be so good. Well, I always watch my movies either on my laptop or my tablet or even my phone, rather than using. I, I don't think I've ever turned. I've turned on a TV in a hotel room in in a year or two. Even because I have direct TV, which streams, so I can watch, you know, my local TV if I want to from my hotel on my device. So, but. (sighs) Henny, what's this bill for $300 in Kenny Rankin videos? (laughs) That's funny. He was watching smooth jazz. Oh, yeah. All these very um, sort of ambient YouTube videos of like coffee shop jazz. Oh, I love that. I love those videos. Mm -hmm. I I have a lot of those on my playlist, actually. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What else about YouTube? YouTube shorts, the uh, TikTok videos. uh, I'm sorry. Am I not supposed to know they were just ripping the whole idea off from TikTok? Maybe I wasn't supposed to know that. Their their clone TikTok now averages more than 50 billion views a day. 50 billion. The scale of YouTube is mind-boggling. Uh, that's up from 30 billion early last year. The good news is, as of February 1st, YouTube short creators are going to get some ad sharing, and they're going to get a decent yeah. amount, 45% based on views. It's causing a huge ruckus in the um, in the TikTok creator community because they're TikTok not getting obviously diddly. pays out yeah. so absolutely minimum yeah. that you could start posting, you know, exactly the same content to TikTok, recruit people on TikTok to go to your YouTube channel, and suddenly you're making thousands and tens of thousands rather than diddly squad. I asked my son about, about this because TikTok has this creators fund and, you know, they make they put out press releases. We're putting $100 million into the creators fund. Oh, it's get rubbish, your share. And I, he said, yeah, no, I don't. I don't get much. He makes his own money, though, because he has his own advertisers on his TikTok. And to their credit, they don't prevent that. Although I am pretty sure, just looking, that when he puts an ad, when it's a promoted video, it doesn't get on the For You page. There's no promotion at all. TikTok definitely does not help those along. Does anybody know how Facebook Reels is doing? Because, I mean, I see them all the time when I go into Facebook these short videos and they seem to know my taste because they show me a lot of airplanes taking off and landing. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> but that's what I get. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, they, you know, of course they probably started that with Instagram. They call them reels on Instagram. Yeah. And now uh, you've got Facebook reels. Uh, all of it is basically, well, we see them on TikTok. Let's get those creators over here. And honestly, if YouTube's offering more money, a creator, I've, I've talked to Henry about this. I said, well, you should do, he does the shorts. You should do more shorts. The problem is they're getting whip, creators get whiplashed because then YouTube will stop paying them mm-hmm. and the next one will come along. And you, you, every time you move, you leave your audience behind. So mm-hmm. I think Henry's smart enough to know that that's, you, you can't chase that revenue. So he does, you know, he doesn't worry so much about what he's going to get from creators funds or 
any of these systems and really just focuses on monetizing in his own way. I mean, if you think about, um, I, they don't break it out specifically, I don't think, um, in terms of what um, Reels is doing as separate from Instagram. But um, Meta obviously was down, what, 4% Not year on year this week? Not a good quarter for Meta, yes. Not a good quarter for them, including this. I found this to be just a fantastic number. Um, they spent, was it $13 billion in a year on their reality labs? Yeah. Yeah, last year was ten. Now it's up this to thirteen. 13. Yeah. Uh, well, and somebody teeny, pointed out that the that, entire a teeny bit of that entire, went to connect safely yeah. for Go. a parent's guide to virtual reality. So I'm happy about that. Um, so but, go uh, ahead so and tell somebody us. Point, somebody somebody pointed out that Apple back in 2007 spent just over 150 million to make the first iPhone. Uh. In, in R&D, uh, and Google yeah. spent $13 billion in one year for Meta. something that basically yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah. Meta, sorry. So well, it's a pivot. It doesn't exist. Um, actually, I'm looking at the Meta. <laughs> Meta uh, stock went up a lot uh, yeah. because they had fourth quarter revenue better than estimates, right? They also did a 40 And they billion. also said they were going to fire a bunch of people. Fire a bunch of people and a $40 billion stock buyback. So a lot of this is just, you know, hey, don't don't get scared. Um, their revenue was up a little bit, $32.17 billion. Um, they restructured charges for its family of apps segment and its reality labs unit. <laughs> um, so it's hard to say. They did, and this was a big number, top line number, they did announce 2 billion daily active users. That is kind of amazing. Impressive. Daily. Daily, almost three billion monthly active users, and their average revenue per user. This is for a year, is ten dollars and eighty six cents. You mean that's more than a quarter of the people on the planet? Yeah, it's, There's it's just under eight billion people in the world. Yeah, it's mind boggling. Now I it's have to say, if you know that they make eleven dollars a year on you, why don't they say, "Hey, fifteen dollars a year, no ads." Do a clean Facebook. They'd make more money and you'd have a lot of happy users. Costs, I wonder, though, how much they make on America. I mean, not everybody in the world can afford $15 a year. I mean, obviously, people no, in America. No, and so Europe those people can have ads. Those people can yeah. have all of the crappy Facebook spyware. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. You get what you pay for. I don't know. Maybe they don't want to do that. Famously, Microsoft told Paul Thorat when he asked them, why do you have ads in Windows? Why don't Why don't you offer a a version of Windows, a subscription version with no ads. And they said to do so would be tantamount to admitting <laughs> that we're crapping up your Windows. <laughs> so maybe Facebook doesn't want to say, well, for $15, you could have a real nice experience or you could just still have your crappy experience. Revenue in the fourth quarter fell 4% from last year. This was the down part we were talking about, Will. Third straight quarter of declining sales but this is a big one. The company's costs and expenses up 22%. And I think a lot wow. of that is this VR push, this metaverse yeah. push. Headcount. Yeah, and again, just so much, so much money in, um, what have they got? Four, uh, so again, 4.2 billion 
just in Q4 in restructuring charges. Yeah. So paying off the people they, they they did. They spent another after saying after me laughing at 500 million for Google, um, 1.88 billion in Q4 for facilities consolidation. Oh wow. That's I mean, that's amazing. wild. That is wild. At a certain point, these tech companies are basically like glorified real estate companies. Well, right? now I understand why Elon Musk doesn't want to pay rent. Yeah. Even if the king sues him, he doesn't want to pay rent. <laughs> <laughs> People are enjoying that, by the way, Will, here in the colonies. that The king's, yes. the king's estate, the, royal, the crown estate, they call it, which is the real estate yeah. holdings of the family, uh, include offices in London for Meta. I'm sorry, for Twitter, mm. and Twitter does not pay. Mm. They're, so they're suing. The Crown Estate is suing Twitter. For I have been to those offices. They're very nice. I they're in the they middle are. of the Crown Estate, and the king, the king is going to have at them. Yeah. Do you get special privileges if you're the Crown Estate in the UK? He's like the, the guy with the oh, wig yeah, like, say, so well. The, so um, I'm, I'm almost certain that the income from the Crown Estate doesn't get taxed. Nice deal. So if you're the king, you just rake all that money in tax-free. Steel company. Uh, I'm talking about Meta now, not the Crown Estate. Although someday we should do a whole show on the Crown Estate. <laughs> I'm fascinated. So, are people in the UK reading Spare like we are in the US? No, we're all sort of. Um, You've had enough. I think there's a there's a there's a because it gets serialized so much in the newspapers. I think there is just um, yeah Harry yeah. fatigue. Harry fatigue. Yeah. That's spelled H-A-R-R-Y, not H-A-I-R-Y, I believe. <laughs> Company expects that Meta, I'm back to Meta, sorry. The Meta, by the way, the uh, United Kingdom government has just cut Will Harris off completely. There, he, Oh, no, he's back now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if one was going to be a conspiracy theorist, if one was going to be. Rishi Sunak said, get that guy off the air. Uh, Meta, the company, when I say the company, I'm talking Meta expects its total expenses in 2023 will be 89 to $95 billion. Uh, that's lower than they thought due to slower anticipated growth in payroll expenses. Maybe because they laid 11,000 people off. That would do it. Uh, data center construction going down. And uh, again, the $40 billion uh, stock repurchase plan. That's a good way to keep your stock price supported. That's Apple learned all about that. Uh, actually, this helped Meta's stock a little bit, which is good. Apple did not have a great quarter. No. Apple sales shrink as pandemic rally ends for iPhone makers, says the Wall Street Journal. Quarterly revenue down on Apple for the first time in four years. Manufacturing disruptions in China meant it couldn't make enough iPhones to sell. Um, that, I presume, is turning around. Maybe that'll show a better results in, in this next quarter. Although uh, Tim Cook once again invoked the, the headwinds. He said, good morning. The wind was in our face for the fourth quarter. Economic pressures. Apple's revenue down 5% for the holiday quarter ending in December, well below analyst estimate. Of course, I'm sure the stock did not get hurt. Trip Miller uh, at Galane Capital Partners said, instead of playing with tailwinds, they're playing with headwinds now. Much like the Chinese balloon. Oh. 
So here's the problem. <laughs> if you if you have a perfectly good iPhone 12 or iPhone 13, yeah, you don't need a new one. Do you really need an no. iPhone 14? Yeah. No, I was just or thinking the same, the same is true thing. with any any technology. Any of these. I mean, yeah, yeah. Samsung yeah. this week announced its Galaxy S23, and I think they were hard pressed to find a reason why anybody using an S22 should upgrade. It's just right. Uh, well, we got a two. Oh, we have a 200 megapixel camera now. Okay. I mean, interestingly, talking about, you know, thinking about head, headwinds and tailwinds, the, the interesting sort of noodle on the Apple revenue was that if you um, took out the currency fluctuations and the, the, the varying weakness and strength of the dollar, um, Apple's revenue actually grew um, year on year. It was just the fact that the U.S. dollar has been surprisingly resilient oh, that's, yeah. to, the, uh, to the, the rest of the sort of world having a meltdown. Um, that actually it's meant they made slightly less money, which is um, an estimate. I a, a thought, the dollar, I thought the dollar, oh, it's because the dollar's stronger. Relatively. Yeah. Got it. So, yeah. yeah. So they make less money in other territories yeah. comparatively. He also, Cook also said, we estimated we would have grown on the iPhone absent the supply constraints. So it's foreign exchange rate flurs, currency fluctuations and at supply chain problems held them back. Um, all right. I don't know. I, you know, it feels like, of course, Apple, Apple also making a bet as is Meta on the ver, uh, the future of virtual uh, reality and augmented reality. Yeah, augmented. Yeah. You always have to get that next uh, big but thing. They're not going to bet the company on it. I don't think. The no. Way, the way, the way well, they Meta don't need has. to. Yeah. They don't. No, they don't need to. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think Mark Zuckerberg saw that the social network part of their business. Was not gonna despite two billion daily active users. Maybe he's wrong. I don't know. Was not didn't have a bright future, so he wanted to pivot. Apple, which has you know more, almost fifty percent of its income comes from the iPhone, says we're we're very happy here. Thank you very much, but we should probably invest a little bit of that in what's mm -hmm. coming, whether right. it's a car, yeah, or although um, having. I thought it was really interesting that despite sort of saying, you know, they're investing a little bit in, in new things, they um, announced they're dropping the role of um, industrial design chief. Yes. No, the, yeah, Evans John, Hankey. The, there is been no running new this. Johnny Ive. Yeah, since Johnny left, Evans Hankey's been running it, when she, and she announced she was going to leave, and, and now Apple says, no, yeah, we don't. We don't. Do we really need a chief of design? Industrial designers, they'll still have a team, but they'll report to the chief operating officer, Jeff Williams, instead of having a design. But nobody could do a commercial as good as Johnny Ive could. I don't know if they ever put those on the air, but they used to show them at the announcements, and he would talk in this mm, British accent. In the white room. Very slowly. He lived in the white room. Yeah. Yes. Um, Today we're announcing the thinnest, most iPhone. powerful iPhone we've ever made. Ever made. Yes. Actually, oh, Apple, you know what? It's amazing. Every time they announce a new iPhone, they wish this is the best iPhone ever. Well, why course. wouldn't it be the best iPhone ever? Backwards? It's the newest iPhone. This, is, this one's not <laughs> no, quite. No, this is a crappy one. Get last year's good. Model. You know what Johnny yeah. Ive's up to, by the way? Just want, to, want, want you to know. He just designed a clown nose. But <laughs> it's a really good clown nose. It it's, is much it's for comic relief. This is the Johnny Ive designed <laughs> red clown nose for charity. Oh, it looks like the old clown nose to me. Well, I think the old one was just, you know, foam. Oh, this, I see. He's upgraded. Oh, it. he's upgraded, baby. This is like a honeycomb with a. 
Oh my god! So this is they do this. So this every is year. like this might seem really weird, but this is a really big thing in England. Yeah. Red Nose Day, yeah, is a is a, is one of the biggest charity. Do you wear a red year. nose uh, on Red Nose Day, Comic Relief Day? Um, I mean, you might do for like a group photo at work, but it, you, it's one of those things you sort of like buy and then put on your desk. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, because what am I really going to do? Like, but this is, so this benefits Comic Relief. What does Comic Relief's money go to? Is it AIDS? Uh, mostly like humanitarian stuff in okay. Africa, African relief. Um, yeah, it's a honeycombed. It's been paper. going since like the eighties. This the, is the best red nose oh. we've ever made. <laughs> honeycombed has- paper construction with plastic arts on the side and a hinge detail that lets you open and close the nose. Can you Not just well-designed, but it sounds like it might be sustainable if it's, it's sustainable. Paper. Each nose <laughs> comes with its own AirPods-like case. So you can keep it in your pocket for when you really need... When you really need a red nose. It does charge in the case, but it is, yes. Yeah, but it's interesting, I think, that Apple has just sort of decided that it doesn't really want these huge personalities dominating its kind of, its news cycles, its pressures. And I think we've seen, like, the last, you know, even the last few announcements, you see more and more VPs and SVPs from different bits of the company standing up and giving these presentations. Yeah. And it seems to me like they're really trying to move away from, like, you know, I, Steve Jobs was always the icon of Apple. And when Steve Jobs left, that was a huge hit. Johnny Ive was sort of the next icon. When he leaves, that was obviously a huge hit. It seems to me like they're sort of going more along, like, having a squad rather than having just a handful of stars. I think know? it's fair to say they felt burned. Uh, in the last years by Johnny Ive. That it was yeah. Johnny Ive who insisted thinner uh, in the face of all functionality, including battery life. It, he was the one who championed the butterfly keyboard and would not let Apple get rid of it for years, I'm pretty sure. I mean, we don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure. because As definitely. soon as Johnny left, it was like, we're putting <laughs> ports back on these things. We are yeah. taking away the butterfly keyboard. So I feel, I'm gonna, this is projecting, but I'm going to guess they felt a little burned, maybe even by the, the cult of Steve Jobs. But at least when it was Steve and Johnny, Steve could keep kind of a, a, a lid on it. And Steve did seem to have a good uh, eye for functionality and the right thing to do. Johnny was designed. I mean, look at this nose. I mean, talk about over-designed. Johnny was always doing that, right? And, uh, and I think that they felt a little bit burned. So maybe that's why. Uh, I mean, I think to, everybody agrees Evans Hankey was an excellent design chief but the fact that i think very wise i mean you've only got you you've only got to look at you know tim tim cook does not have the same cult of personality yeah. around his running of apple that for example mark zuckerberg does and you can see what mark zuckerberg is currently you know the amount of money he is absolutely spaffing up the wall at facebook on this vr project yeah is you know not something that they would do at apple i think there's a little bit more yeah financial well, discipline and, there. And Tim Cook himself doesn't have a particularly dynamic personality. I mean, he's, he's a good, as far as I'm, I'm told, he's a good CEO and a very competent administrator, but he's not, you know, I don't think well, many books. His brand is him. low profile, right? Yeah. His brand oh. is like Mr. Mr. Calm. But yeah. also Mr. Supply Chain, Mr. Right. Cut Costs, Increased Profit. I mean, under his leadership apple has become a, an extremely successful company much more so than under steve jobs right, right. so uh, he's got a good reputation i think yeah. you know one of the things they did 
and this just, Tim did this to keep Johnny Ive, who f- I think in some degrees was kind of the Steve Jobs legacy and maybe in some ways trying to preserve a little bit of Steve, is he gave Johnny, uh, put him in charge not of just industrial design, but in charge of software, in charge of, right. in charge of everything. And I think in hindsight that was a mistake for Apple. Apple went through some bad years. Uh, and as soon as as soon as Johnny left and they came out with Apple Silicon, their new chips, this is a different company. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see why maybe they're saying, do we really want somebody uh, with that much power? Yeah, you never want the person to be bigger than the company, right? Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, several... Wow, what do we what do we make of Elon Musk then? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, case in point, right? I missed last week's show. Did you guys talk about the price cuts at Tesla at all? Uh, no, you're a Tesla owner. Oh, so my net worth just went down because I own a four year old Tesla, which used to be worth forty thousand dollars, and now it's worth about thirty thousand dollars because they dramatically lowered the price. <laughs> I'm, it's fine with me because I'm not planning to sell it right now. But I mean, it, but they really got a lot of people angry who had just bought a Tesla. To find out a week later, they could have bought that same car for fifteen thousand dollars less. But wait. Because as soon as the government said, oh, the Model Y is an SUV and you're going to get that $7,500 rebate, they raised the price on the Model Y. Yep. Which the other thing that is you know, another thing you, that would irk me, <laughs> to be if honest. If Elon is listening, if Elon's listening, if they would allow people who paid for the full self-driving, which is now 15000 if they would allow them to keep that software... And if they buy new hardware, the way Microsoft does, right? If you buy a new computer, you can keep Microsoft Office and put it on your new computer. If they were to do that, they would sell a ton of new Teslas to their existing customer base. But there's like a $15,000 penalty to upgrade if you want to keep that full self-driving software. I think possibly the challenge with that one, Larry, is that the full self-driving has to actually work. (laughs) Well, that doesn't stop me from buying it. (laughs) I mean, I I paid seven for it, but I bought it. I paid $5,000 for it on my Model X. (laughs) Never got it, never used it, don't have the car anymore. And no rebate, right? Oh, no, no (laughs) No, rebate. They didn't give it back to you. Yeah, Yeah, no refund. Um, Yeah. So No backseas. Elon is a little bit in the news besides that. Uh because uh, they uh, two stories. One is yeah. that Twitter is cutting off uh, free access to the API for everybody, and there's some concern uh, among Twitter users that this is going to get rid of some of the things that made Twitter the most interesting. Uh, some of the automated accounts that people uh, really liked at uh, Twitter, because they're going to have to pay too. And many of the people who run these automated accounts say, "Yeah." Yeah, we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna do it. There's a, an example. BuzzFeed has an example uh, of a uh, Twitter bot called Make It a Quote. I'm not. Are you familiar with this one? Has half more followers than me. Half a million followers. You can reply to any tweet, add the tag at Make It a Quote, and then the bot responds with the tweet's text overlaid onto an image. Uh, but the guy who does it. 23-year-old German student named Daniel said, I can't, I'm not going to pay for I'm not going to pay to do this. Uh, he says, it's a step in the wrong direction. Most of the API usage brings a lot of value to Twitter. And even though I run one of the biggest bots on the platform, I'm going to consider shutting it down. Now, they still haven't said how much it'll cost. I could see Elon, you know, Elon never, there's no policy that's not changeable. I could see him mm-hmm. changing his mind saying, well, for you, whatever. Um, sure. 
he seems to be focused on volume right now, but maybe it would be more quantitative and qualitative, qualitative yeah. than I, quantitative. I think one of the things that's um, that's been sad about the, the whole API access thing, I mean, quite apart from <clears throat> the fact that the, the Tweetbot was my favorite client and is like about a million times better than the um, the official Twitter iOS client, which is verging on unusable. Um, if you run multiple Twitter accounts from a desktop as a professional, you probably use third-party software to yeah. manage the sort of flurry of DMs and replies and incomings. And by killing that API, they're really making it difficult for the, the people that they're selling to, you know, Elon keeps saying he wants more advertisers, wants more advertisers on the platform. Well, great, but if I'm an advertising agency and I run 15 different Twitter accounts, you need to make it easy for me to manage them, not have to, you know, log in and out of the actual Twitter dashboard, you know, 30 times a day. It's, it's, he really has not got the left hand talking to the right hand on this one. There is a, a bot called Pepito the Cat who tweeted, oh, this this uh, change will kill Pepito the cat. Pepito is part of Twitter history. He posts quality content with great engagement. And, of course, Elon said, well, okay, I guess we could give all verified users access to the API for posts like this, eight bucks a month. I don't I don't understand what, what Elon's at because he's not going to make enough money from these onesie, twosie, you know, small-dollar amounts to make up for the $44 billion, $13 billion of which is borrowed. So I don't understand why yeah. he's screwing with it, but, you know, that's his to screw with. Nobody can deny that. The other story is actually a big victory for Elon Musk. Yeah. You remember the tweet, uh, Funding Secured, in which he announced, apparently, <laughs> lyingly, that uh, he was going to take Tesla private. And that he had uh, secured funding for that. Well, it wasn't true. Shareholders have sued. Uh, in fact, we were getting a lot of great juicy stuff out of the out of the lawsuit. But a jury uh, came back after two hours of deliberation on uh, Friday and said, not guilty. Elon did not cost investors any money. Thank you very much. He won the lawsuit. It's over. Mm -hmm. I was surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I didn't, we didn't hear the testimony. I didn't anyway. But right. I think, you know, you, you could tell us, Denise, there have to be damages. I like real damages. You can't just say, well, I was offended. Uh, can you bring me up to speed? I was looking at IRC and I kind of lost <laughs> so, track of where we so were. So here's the first tweet uh, yeah. from Elon Musk. This is back in 2017. Am considering taking Tesla private. Right. At four hundred twenty dollars, by the yeah. way, obviously a meme number. Of course, he believes that I mean, he paid fifty four twenty for Twitter. So anyway, a share uh, funding secured. Uh, now, if you own Tesla stock, or maybe if you don't own Tesla stock, and you look at the price and you say, "Oh, I could make some money if I bought a lot of Tesla stock right now because it's going to go for four twenty. He settled a lawsuit from the SEC, paid $40 million, agreed to uh, run every tweet by a lawyer before, which he's not doing, I don't think. Right. Um, in a second tweet, yeah. he said, investor support confirmed. Only reason why this is not certain is that it's contingent on a shareholder vote. 
I think the later the facts of the case, I believe, were that he had in fact not. I mean, he just made up the whole bloody thing, right? Right. So, so right. like, what I don't get is if is if why he can be if he can be fined if the FEC fined him forty million dollars for breaking securities rules, then how can it then follow that Tesla shareholders suffered no harm? I mean, they obviously suffered at least forty million dollars worth of harm. I, I, you know, I mean, I could see if somebody would buy stock, saying, "Oh, it's going to go up." Yeah. Or sell stock. I mean, I could see people would respond to this. The, right. the, uh, Here, here's the crux. Elon has gotten to the point, and I think this is what came through loud and clear from what the jury did in this private shareholder lawsuit. That he, The jury basically said, we don't take what he says seriously. You can't take what he says seriously. No. They had to determine whether the statements that he made had a material impact on their decisions, whether to buy, sell, hold, et cetera. And they found, nope, it didn't because, you, you know, basically they didn't, they didn't spell this out, but I think what the jury's sentiments must've been is it's Elon. Yeah. Because the, the judge, defense. the yeah. judge Tucker said, the judge said, no, you can assume that the tweet about securing funding was not accurate. You can jury. You can say we we're going to stipulate it wasn't accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the question is, if the market's response to that tweet was Elon's fault, and whether he and the board should be liable. And as you say, we don't know exactly what the jury was thinking. But after a mere two hours, which is pretty quick, takes an hour and a half to fill out the forms. Probably, the jury said no. They're not responsible. Uh, Musk's lawyer uh, in closing arguments said, just because it's a bad tweet doesn't mean it's fraud. <laughs> right. Right. And I think people have just gotten so inured to what you were saying a minute ago that he changes his mind every 10 minutes that and that you can't, you know, you really can't rely on what he's saying from one day to the next. So we're supposed that, to treat Elon like the onion, right? It's like, you know, oh, it's it's satire. It's not true. Anything he says. Or Tucker I mean, Carlson, either way. Yeah. Or Tucker Carlson, exactly. Yeah. I mean, right. same defense. Right? That, it is the same right. defense. That's the Tucker Carlson well, defense. Yeah, well, didn't Tucker literally say that it was just what he was saying was satire? Yeah. So it's not news. Yeah. It's yeah. entertainment, Your Honor. Gee, um, can anybody get away with that? Can Can Biden get away with that if he lies to the public? Oh, I was just joking around. Well, Elon, Although let's Trump be said fair. that. Trump, Trump, Trump actually did say one thing with joking yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, let's be fair. Elon's not the president. <laughs> he doesn't, well, I mean, no. I, I mean, he doesn't have like some higher responsibility. He's just some guy, you know? Right. You and know, he's a guy he who's not afraid to try lawsuits. He has a lot of success when he actually takes things to trial yeah. and goes in front of a jury. In this case, he actually testified. Uh, um, I am looking at a business insider, Market Insider. That says mm-hmm. Elon's funding secured tweet cost investors $12 billion over 10 days. And the jury had that information. But I guess that's, you're that's right. I think the, ju- the jury said, well, it's your fault. It's not, it's not Elon's fault. It's your fault. I don't know. If a CEO tells you something material is going to happen, it seems to me you have a reasonably, you know, it's a reasonable to act it's kind on of that. I, I would, right. I, I'm really surprised by this. Jury. And that, that's what they, the plaintiffs would have had to prove in right. this case. And the jury found they didn't prove it. That yeah. it wasn't material to no, their decision. Or, As I said, we weren't in the trial, so who yeah. knows what they actually Or, Denise, is it possible the jury just really likes Elon Musk? It's possible. It was in San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, I, we've seen this happen before with celebrity defendants. A lot of times they're given more latitude than, than you or I would be. Mm-hmm. 
and and despite the pall that has fallen over Elon's reputation in the last few months, until recently, he was kind of you know Iron Man. Yeah, I want to put a bumper sticker on my Tesla that says, "I bought this before I knew what Elon's politics were." <laughs> <laughs> there is such a bumper sticker. You can get it. I probably have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's take well, a little break. Has- Go ahead. Oh, hey, no, no, no. I, I want to hear what say, you have to he- say. He has a track record of of trying to tinker with objects that might have suffered from having innovation in their arena. The the uh, flamethrower comes to mind. Oh my so god! So maybe and maybe boring, he'll uh, and the boring company. Yes, right. It. Maybe he'll maybe he'll hire Johnny Ive to to bring the new and improved clown nose under the Tesla umbrella <laughs> and rehabilitate his image that way. Do you say, I mean, actually I think history might look back uh, once all the storm and drawing is over at Elon a hundred years from now and say, Oh, he was hysterical. He was just what the society needed. He, he was a prankster. He was, he was Loki. He was, uh, he was mischievous. I think He'll history may be known as important. I mean, yeah, no I think history might. History yeah, yeah, look at look at what they say about Thomas Edison. Yeah, electrocuting an elephant. Nobody nobody's upset about that anymore. Um, I feel like that Elon's going to get away with this, to be honest. And this jury so. decision is just the beginning. And you know, maybe he should. I'm not. I'm not saying he shouldn't. Uh, it's fascinating to watch. Uh, that's our Elon segment. Guess you have to have one in every show. Sorry about that. <laughs> Let's take a break. We got more to talk about in just a bit. We have a great panel. Denise Howell is here, my internet attorney. Oh, you got a new uh, a new URL, hearsayculture.net. What's that? Yes, uh, Ant, thank you so much for updating on the fly. Uh, I want to give a plug to a podcast network that uh, will shortly be launching at hearsayculture.com called the Hearsay Culture Network, where I and a few folks who you might have seen on This Week in Law back in the day, uh, we've got Dave Levine, who's a professor at Elon University and a fellow at Stanford. He's done a radio show at Stanford at KZSU for quite some time. Uh, also by the same name, Hearsay Culture. Uh, and John Tyranian, who uh, also was a law professor now in private practice. Uh, and we're going to do some shows. So What a great name tuned. for a podcast network, Hearsay Culture. I love that. Yeah. What's the name of your show going to be? Do you know? I'm going to have my own show called Uneven Distribution <laughs> with a nod to William f- Gibson. The future yes. is here. It's just not evenly distributed. Yes. Love it. Right. And Dave and I are doing a show together called R&D with D&D. <laughs> Dave, Dave and Denise. Oh, I love it. Not not yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sadly, no. <laughs> but uh, there's... We, we have recorded a sh- few shows, and I believe the audio for one of them is up on hearsayculture.com if you want to sample it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, this is exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Will it be like This Week in Law, or what do you, what do you want to do with it? Well, it's funny. We're all lawyers, but we don't want to do completely law-driven shows at all. 
Um, it's much more about sort of, well, uneven distribution is going to be much more about um, looking at technologies and their impact on our lives and looking to the future and trying to help people anticipate what's coming at them if they are not already thinking along those lines. I'm thrilled. And, I'm so thrilled. This is great. Yeah, thank you. Well, we were, I was our, so sad that we had to cancel this week in law. It really uh, it broke my heart because it's a great show and I'm so glad to see you're back on the air. Or will be soon. That's really good. Yes. If they yes, just... we're tinkering with back end stuff and getting yeah. all that in order. Tell me all about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> know a little bit about that. If they go to hearsayculture.com in the in the weeks to come, you will see the show. Yes. Yeah. As soon as we are live and launched, you will be the first to know. It's gonna be the Hearsay Culture Network. That's great. Yeah. That's really mm-hmm. great. Uh, I see Christopher Michael. Uh, oh, oh, I see. That's a picture Christopher took of Esther Dyson. I would love to listen to Esther Dyson uh, do yeah. a show. That's exciting. Oh, very neat. Well, congratulations. Hearsayculture.com. Also with us, the publisher of some great books like F Yeah Video Games and Things <laughs> I Learned from Mario's Butt. Yes, it's Will Harris. <laughs> we we do have lots of highbrow stuff too. There, oh, there yes. is some really. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, no. This is like, for instance, here's <clears throat> another one: Virtual Cities, an atlas, an exploration of a lot of video game content. Video game cities. What a good. We idea. have um, and occasionally, occasionally we get to do really fun things because of the because of the Kickstarter sort of funding model that we do. Um, we did. Um, We've got a book called Flipping Patriarchy, which is about sort of gender discrimination Good. in the workplace. Yes. And we were able to, if you could send in proof that you were a woman, we would sell it to you for 65% less than the cover <laughs> Since price. Since you're making that much less, we can't exactly yeah. charge you the same as a guy. That makes sense. That's And fair. we're overcharged for things like razor blades. All the so. time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. But it's pink, Denise. That's not cheap. <laughs> Uh, here's one, Shareware Heroes, the renegades who redefine gaming at the dawn of the internet. This is great. So you, Yeah, I, that's I a really to, good one. That's like really early Carmack and Romero. I can't and, wait to um, read it. it. That's really good stuff. I, uh, I, I, I've been meaning to thank you because you sent me, last time you were on, you told me about this and you sent me a, pa- a care package. And I've been loving, the, the production is gorgeous of these two. Unbound.com. If you want to get involved, and 42 is coming soon. That is when I will absolutely be uh, ordering. I can't wait to see that when that comes out. Uh, Flipping Patriarchy by Man Who Has It All. (laughs) It's a a Twitter pseudonym, right? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And Larry Maggot, who is going to be celebrating on Tuesday, Safer Internet Day. Woohoo! That's right. Hey, Lisa, I want to tell you about, by the way, if anybody's listening from Utah, you want to look at Bill SB 152, which would require kids up to 18 to get parental parental permission to go on social media. But more oh than that would God. require everyone to submit government ID before they could set up a social media account. Talk about privacy issues, security issues. It would establish a database of young people in Utah. And we all know that databases can never be hacked. So, it's a law that I personally, uh, in the name of protecting children, actually might harm children. So uh, we're kind of looking into this. I'm just beginning to learn about it, but apparently there are hearings going on this week. So if you're in Utah, or if you just love Utah, and I like Utah, check out this SB 152. It might be something people might want to weigh in on. Unbelievable. 
It is pretty unbelievable. And and they claim to protect children. But and first of all, I mean, doesn't a 17-year-old have some free speech rights in America? Does the First Amendment say something about you have to be 18 to enjoy the right to, you know, access information or say what you believe in? I yeah, mean, I could see maybe under 13 as the, yeah, as 13 COPPA, is the current law. COPPA says. Yeah. But yeah. 18... That's I know it's, it's, that would, you know, any I mean, you could be an LGBTQ kid whose parents are homophobic. You could be a Muslim whose parents are anti, you know, there's just a million reasons why some kids might want agency to be their parents. But the other part about it, having all of everyone, adults included, having to submit a government ID to get online. Uh, I know that the Brits may not have as many problems with that, but America, that that may not fly in this country. There are plenty of school-related First Amendment cases where minors oh. have been found to have First Amendment absolutely. rights. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so look into that book. You kind of wonder, if the government doesn't want you to read certain books, the governor, <laughs> government doesn't want you to go on the Internet, what is the government hiding? Um, may not target or suggest ads, okay. Shall limit hours of access? What? Yeah, I- yeah, you're you're not allowed to go, you're not allowed to use the internet over at a certain time of night. Now, not everybody, even kids, have the same schedule. I mean, is there something immoral about using the internet at two a.m. If you, yeah. for whatever reason, maybe you know your lifestyle is that you sleep, you don't sleep during those hours. Uh, talk about and the irony is, I don't know the the political party of who's behind this, but it wouldn't surprise well, me. Take a wild guess. Yeah, it's the same party who is. <laughs> So much in favor of capitalism, yeah. so much in favor of small rights. government. Let's not let's keep the government, government out of our lives. Right, exactly. Hmm. All right. I told him I wouldn't get political. Sometimes you gotta. SB one five two, Utah. Yep. Let's take a little break. We will come back. I have more to talk about with our wonderful panel. But first I want to talk about a great sponsor I got introduced to called Miro. And I told him immediately, I said, this is going to, you're going to, ha- this is going to be a challenge because Miro could be anything you want it to be. So how do I describe Miro? Go to Miro.com. Take a look. You can, you, it's like a whiteboard. Yeah. But you could do so many things. Flow charts, Kanban's, mind maps, it, brain writing, timeline builder. If you're using, if you're doing Zoom meetings, you definitely want to use Miro to time your meetings to have to have polls in your meetings. It is an amazing tool. I want you to go to Miro.com and check it out because it's infinite collaborate whiteboard gives teams a space that lives forever, not like your whiteboard in the conference room, where you can just drag and drop insights and data. Nothing is lost. Nothing is forgotten. And the breadth of use cases for Miro is mind-boggling. You can... Build visual assets. You can present with Miro. You can run brainstorms, cross-functional teams. It's it's the perfect thing for a hybrid workspace where you have people at home, people in the office. If you're doing products, it's incredible for product teams. One great product needs input from everybody. That's where Miro can come in with its capabilities to democratize collaboration and input for brainstorming. Miro users love it. But I, I, my, my, my challenge is how do I describe what Miro can do? It can do so much. Here's another thing you might want to take a look at. Go to the Miroverse at Miro.com. This is a universe of, of user-created and contributed Miro boards. Let me just show you a few of these. These are incredible. 
<laughs> from from everything from icebreakers to calendars to service blueprint template. I don't even know what that is. Here's a midnight sailboat retrospective or a Beatles retrospective. You'll like this one uh, from the British government, a Harry Potter retrospective <laughs> contributed by the UK government. Isn't it nice to know what your government is working on? <laughs> all, all these templates are available to you as a Miro user. And and by the way, did I mention you can start Miro and use up to have up to three boards for free right now? Valentine's Day love. Oh, share the love by writing a note of appreciation for one of your team members. Oh, that's a nice idea. This is the Miroverse. Just hundreds and hundreds of great ideas of things that you can do. This is the problem. It's hard for me to describe what Miro could do because I don't know how you might use it. So start thinking about what you might use Miro for in your meetings, in your product planning, in your design kickoffs. It's just endless. It's visual. It's beautiful. It's permanent. It's it's the largest board you can imagine. Miro.com slash podcast. Miro gives your team the chance to always stay connected to real-time information. And it gives project managers, product leads, a bird's-eye view of the whole project so nothing slips through the cracks. Go to Miro.com slash podcast right now, and you can get three boards free to start working better. I want you to try it. First three boards free, Miro.com, M-I-R-O.com slash podcast. By the way, we've been using it for our podcast planning. It's great for podcasts, too. Miro.com slash podcast. We thank them so much for their support. Uh, let's see. Amazon came out. This was a lot of earnings come out. Revenue uh, below expectations. But Amazon Web Services, a 20% sales growth. I didn't mention that with Apple. Apple Services also, big growth. In both cases, these are annuities, right? These are things people subscribe to and the cash comes in every month. This is that average revenue per user kind of thing. So Amazon Web Services, which is still the king of cloud services, uh, doing well, a little below expectations. Advertising. Did you know Amazon's business is advertising? They made they made about half what they made on AWS with advertising alone and above expectations 11.56 billion dollars. Uh but it was their slowest year of growth in a quarter century as a public company. Revenue for the year increased 9%. Oh, that's got to hurt. So where where do you see ads? On Prime or oh, like on Prime Video? Oh, no. get ready. Sponsored yeah. placement. Every single thing you're looking at is an ad. Yeah. <laughs> because all a lot of these are paid for, right? I yeah. see. I see. So, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't know Amazon's doing ads, except that you know, almost all of these are. Many years ago, Will, you might understand this. I was right. I wrote a book for Peach Pit and I call up the publisher. I was so proud because my book was featured on the cover of the Crown Catalog. And I said, <laughs> that's great. Those editors must love my book. Ah. Naive, my publisher just sort of educated me to the fact that it's all product placement. Yeah. It's all about money. So they pay the yeah, bookstores the amount of time to get you an search, end cap. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. You, the amount of time you search for something on Amazon. And I mean, it's like searching on Google, right? The top result is the sponsored result. 
Right. And that's what people, and that's what people pay for. Um, the, the great thing for Amazon is that, you know, that AWS business kind of came out of nowhere because, you know, it was, it was, you know, the great idea to use the day center capacity they have, but it's quite, it's, it's high margin, but obviously there's a lot of cost to running those data centers. The cost of running the Amazon ad business is almost nothing because you'd be displaying those listings anyway. So the margin on it, even though it's a smaller business in revenue size, than Amazon Web Services, you have to imagine that by this point, it's actually more profitable for Amazon. Oh, yeah. I mean, the fact that they only grew 9%, and that's such a disappointment, yeah. <laughs> gives you some <laughs> idea of what they were expecting. How, how many Americans wish that their income had gone oh. up by 9%? Oh, yeah. Do you get 9% yeah. raises every year? No. Yeah, right. yeah. It really it is speaks- about inflation, but... Well, it also speaks to the fact that people must use Amazon very differently than I do. People must go on there and browse and surf mm-hmm. and poke around. What do you I do? go to Amazon for one thing uh. and I buy it and I'm out. I'm not I'm not spending time there. But, but even that never... one thing you might find and you might exactly. find a competitor to that one thing. Like I'm looking for a water pick and mm-hmm. I went on to go buy a water pick, but there's all these non water pick type water picks that they are trying to sell me. Mm-hmm. Have you, you know, come I'm on paying for that? Denise, you've gone to Amazon looking for that one thing and maybe picked up something else or maybe bought something different, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Do you ever notice when it says Amazon's choice? Yes. The editor loved it, right? I do. And I'm super leery of that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 These are, these are, most of these are paid placement. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Nice work. If you can get it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook, now this is from the New York Post, so I guess maybe you want to take it with a grain of salt, except it comes from a lawsuit. Uh, a, uh, a data scientist who worked at uh, Facebook, George Hayward, uh, was fired in October, sued. That lawsuit now has been shut down because, like in many companies, Facebook has a clause in its contract that says you have to go to arbitration. You can't go to court. But the lawsuit was up long enough that we learned uh, about the cause for the suit. Hayward, who claimed in a Manhattan federal court lawsuit, he was fired in November for refusing to participate in something called negative testing. It allows tech companies to, quote, surreptitiously run down your mobile phone battery in the name of testing features or issues such as how fast their app runs and low power, or how an image might load. Hayward said, I told the manager this can harm somebody. She said, eh, by harming a few, we help the greater masses. Hayward said, pointed out that killing somebody's cell phone battery is a risky business. Uh, I refuse to do this test. And it turns out if you tell your boss, no, that's illegal, it doesn't go over very well. He'd been he would hired in October 2019, fired November 2022 because he refused to do the negative testing. It could kill somebody if you can't call 911 if your right. phone dies. It could literally kill you as well as the better. But why would they do it? Would they, they actually bring it down to the lower because that way they could see how their app worked in a low power phone? I'm trying to see the motivation for that. Yeah, there's also I think there's it's partly how does things work? How do different phones scale? 
their performance and how does your app get impacted by that performance, but also what new features that they introduce kill battery life quicker. Couldn't so they just can buy they a bunch make of phones a... and test it in a lab? I mean, I mean that would be the right <laughs> thing to You'd do. sort of think, right? <laughs> yeah. But when you have two billion users, why not use them? Yeah, right. I feel like there are lawyers out there already crafting the complaint on behalf of users, probably under the Computer Fraud and Abuse yeah, Act. That's who it for is interf- standing. Yeah. Yeah. For interfering with people's devices. Hayward says he doesn't know how many people have been impacted, but believes the company has engaged in the practice because he was given an internal training document titled How to Run Thoughtful Negative Tests. (laughs) <laughs> which included examples of Sheesh. such experiments being carried out. I have never seen a more horrible document in my career, he said. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, we'll, we probably won't know the outcome of this because uh, as as I, a lot of companies, including Twit, I might add, have contracts that say, uh, you won't sue us, we'll go to binding arbitration. Is yeah. that That's still legal, right, Denise? Yes, uh, arbitration... Yeah, very much so. Um, arbitration clauses can be set aside if they're not properly drafted and if they're if the person agreeing to them doesn't have adequate notice that they are agreeing to arbitrate things. Uh, but, in, you know, as long as you've checked all the boxes, yes, they're enforceable. Yeah. And, from and I keep I keep signing agreements where I, I'm it's going to be handled in some state that I don't live in. Yeah, that's worse. Mm-hmm. I get right. sued by our you know, by one of those companies, I have to go to that state to defend myself. You can fight about whether you have to go to that state, but it's possible. Yeah. 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 yeah when we, uh, when we were worried that we were going to get, uh, remember there was a podcast troll and we hired a very prestigious law firm. And uh, of course they explained to us that all of these patent lawsuits happen in, uh, what is it? Is it Eastern Texas, Tyler, Texas, mm-hmm. because there's a judge. Delaware. Eastern District. Eastern District of Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there's a judge ah. there who is very favorable uh, to these patent lawsuits because he believes, you know, these big companies are taking advantage of these small inventors. Uh, and so companies go there and and we said, well, can we get a change of venue? Could we get it? They said that's one uh, often good strategy. Sometimes companies are able to change the venue to a more mm-hmm. favorable locale. Um, they gave us some interesting advice. We were lucky because uh, the EFF filed uh, an intra partes uh, motion to get uh, the patent overturned, which succeeded. Great. Uh, we thought about doing that, and our lawyers said, well, that's a double-edged sword. If you win, great. If you lose, you're screwed because now the jury has even more reason <laughs> to rule against you. So you can only do those if you're really, and so we didn't have a choice about whether the EFF was going to do it. And we, I was biting my nails, uh, but the EFF prevailed. It was also thanks um, to Adam Carolla, who raised a lot of money uh, in a in a GoFundMe or a, one of those, uh, and defend and actually did go to court and defended it. So, oh, I remember this remember now. That? Yeah, it was, yeah, this was like ten years ago or, yeah. or more, right? It was yeah. very scary because we got yeah. a, a letter, as many podcasters did. <laughs> asking for millions of dollars. Uh, our attorneys laughed at that. They said, usually they ask for a number that's going to be lower than the cost of defending it. <laughs> they've, they've asked for so much money that you really need to fight it. <laughs> of course, that was the attorneys who would get a lot of that money. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that pad- podcast troll went away thanks to uh, the Electronic Frontier Foundation for Great. whom I have been donating ever since. Uh, let's see. Oh, here's another one. Speaking of court cases, 
the uh, New York Attorney General has won a case against a company that sells tracking software. Mm-hmm. Uh, stalkerware, the bleeping computer calls it. Uh, there's a guy, Patrick Hinchy, who sells software called, among others, Auto Forward, Easy Spy, DDI Utilities, Heister Mobile, Phone Spectre, SurePoint, mm-hmm. or the properly named Turbo Spy. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are apps, you probably know a little bit about this, uh, Larry. These are apps mm-hmm. that uh, ex boyfriends, ex husbands, parents put on mm-hmm. people's phones that uh, then spy on them. They turn over right. location, browsing history, call logs, text messages, photos, videos, email activity, WhatsApp and Skype chat, social media activity. Uh, the idea is you can remotely monitor a user, in some cases even activate the camera or the microphone. Mm-hmm. They're often sold as parental control software, but wink, wink, they, they're also for spousal control software yeah. as well. And, we, you know, even parental control, we at ConnectSafe, we have a strong opinion that you should never buy a parental control tool that operates in stealth mode. Yeah. That everybody has a right to know that they're being spied upon, even children, in fact, maybe especially children. But no, this is, these are designed as, as you know, catching friends, family, business associates, you name it. Uh, Letitia well, James, interesting. the uh, New York yeah. State Attorney General, uh, sued and won. A $410,000 uh, judgment. This is her tweet uh, from a couple of days ago. Snooping on a partner's phone without consent isn't just a sign of an unhealthy relationship. It's against the law. Today, we stopped several companies from illegally promoting products that allowed spying on calls, texts, photos, videos, emails, and uh, social media. Uh, Hinchy now uh, is going to have to <laughs> alert his customers' victims this is this is worse than the four hundred ten thousand dollars. He's going to have to put a notice on all of these apps, pop up a notice on all the phones with these apps on them, saying you are being secretly monitored. Especially important for domestic violence victims. That's that's yeah. a common Absolutely. use of this type of software. Yeah, that's going to bust up some marriages. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. also um, fascinating that Apple kind of did the same thing of its own volition with the with the whole air tag situation mm. because people were you know air, i mean air tags are amazing for keeping track of things but um people were hiding them in former you know spouses or former lovers cars or you know handbags or pockets or wherever um and then using that to, to track not just you know what they were doing online but their physical location which is which is you know super dangerous yeah and apple you know this became reported and apple proactively then took the step of being of changing the airpad track uh, air tag tracking um such that if an air tag that isn't registered to your phone consistently pops up on your phone near your phone for like sort of a couple of days in a row it's like hey is is that your air tag because there's yeah. definitely one that's kind of following you around. And, and if you have any relation, any reason to suspect someone in your household, a partner, whatever, don't give them access to your phone because they can go in and turn on find my phone. They can put spyware on your phone. Uh, for example, I have what is the Apple thing? Friend Finder, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. But I have a friend who I'm linked to who and I haven't gotten a notice in years, but I still can tell where that person is. Yeah. And luckily, we're still friends. But if we ever became ex-friends, that could be problematic. It's pretty terrible. I'm surprised that Apple and Google pre- don't prevent these. I mean, 
if you didn't have them in they the app store, if you didn't have these in the app store, nobody would install them, uh, sideload them or anything. Maybe they do. Maybe that, I don't know. But, but I mean, my thing is that even Apple and Google have, for example, Google ha Google Maps, as people may know, allows you to set it up so that people can track you. In fact, my wife and I do that. We, I can know where she is. She can know where I am. And that's the choice we've made. Yeah, Lisa and I and do they that do too. periodically yeah. send you a notice. They periodically notify you, which is a good thing. Because again, you might have a relationship that could go south and it turns out that that person may not be as honorable as I suspect I know my wife is and I know I am. Yes. Yeah. In our in our family, we do the same thing. We just use the built-in iOS tools. Right. Mm -hmm. right. I've, like I know that, a lot of people who use that Life 360 and I don't know that much that about it. That uses MDM and that's one mm -hmm. that Apple got upset about. Remember Apple mm -hmm. shut right. down Life 360 and a bunch of other similar apps that were parental control apps because they used... MDM, which requires putting a profile on the phone and giving it really breaking the phone's security. Uh, mm -hmm. Apple came to a, a agreement with uh, Life360. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, Apple has. So I have a widget on my front page of my phone with all my family members and I could see Lisa's in her car. I could see where she's going. She has the same mm -hmm. thing for me. Uh, but that's by consent and it should be by right. consent, obviously. Right. It reminds right. me in Harry Potter, they had a clock, remember? The Weasleys mm -hmm. had a clock that each hand was yes. a member of the family, and it would it would go around and tell you where the. And I thought that was pretty cool that we could see where each other is, and uh, you know, and I think that's a handy feature. But I, I'm I'm so paranoid that one time my wife was driving somewhere, and I was really worried about a car accident, and I was so happy to see that she was moving. I didn't care where she was going, but the mere fact that the car was moving made me know that she wasn't in a ditch somewhere. So for for nervous Nellies like me, this could be very helpful. I love uh, Reverend D. Jenk in our uh, chat, our IRC, says, my wife and I are pastors at one of our prenuptial counselings after some of our questions and apparently inappropriate answers from the husband. The woman stood up and said, you don't really know me and walked out. <laughs> and he says, it was for the best. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes well, it just goes to show that, you know, we think that Apple, you know, the Apple App Store model kind of prevents this kind of nefarious yes. stuff, right? That yes. Apple is reviewing everything and that nothing will get through. But it's just, you know, one of a few things that have appeared this week that, you know, just shows that Apple's Apple's system is not infallible. I mean, I'm fascinated by this article on Ars Technica about pig butchering scams. Yeah, now that's a slangy way of talking about, and we've all got these text messages Hello. I was like, man, I've, I'm always getting people asking me to butcher pigs as a scam. <laughs> like, <laughs> pig, this is the uh, Dan Gooden is great article on Ars Technica. Pig butchering scam apps sneak into Apple's App Store and Google Play. And actually, it's an interesting scam. So I've received text messages, as we all have, uh, that are designed to get you to respond. Like, oh, gee, Dan, I'm sorry, I can't come to work today. My car broke down. I hope you could find a replacement. And then... Of course, being a good Samaritan, you go, oh, this isn't Dan. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, do you need any help? And then the person says, oh, aren't you nice? No, I guess I got the wrong number. And it starts up a conversation which inevitably always leads to them talking about their very big gains investing in cryptocurrency. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and this is now called pig butchering. <laughs> what, what about all the pretty girls that want to meet me? Yeah. Hello. Well, they want to. They want to meet you to invest in crypto to convince. Actually, no. Hot guy. That's no, exactly right. That's what they're yeah. trying to. This whole thing is oh. about getting you. To, research firm okay. uh, Sophos said on Wednesday, 
they found two apps in the Apple App Store that were part of an elaborate, this is from Dan Gooden's article in ours, part of an elaborate network of tools used to dupe people into putting large sum of money into fake investment scams. At least one of those apps was also in Google Play. Sophos says first time they'd seen him in the App Store, though. Uh, pig butchering, <laughs> aptly named, <laughs> relies on a rich combination of apps, websites, web hosts, and humans, sometimes human trafficking victims. So there's that's something, another whole, another part of the problem. To build trust with a mark over a period of weeks or months, often, Larry, under the guise of a romantic interest. Yep. Or perhaps financial advisor, successful investor. Eventually, the online discussion will turn to investments, usually involving crypto, that the scammer claims to have earned huge sums of money from and then says, eh, maybe you'd like to get a taste. Once you give, so you're saying that those those women didn't see me on no, Twitter and, and no. fall in love with me. Well, maybe oh, one shoot. of them did. I don't know. Once a month, they're saying, "Larry, I really hope you have a huge investment portfolio." <laughs> huge. Yeah. <laughs> Once a mark deposits money, the scammers. This is interesting too. Beware for this. Will initially allow them to make withdrawals, but eventually they lock the account, claim they need a deposit as of as much as twenty percent of their balance to get it back. Of course. You pay the money. Money's not returned. Scammer comes up with new reasons to give him money. The pig butchering term derives from a farmer fattening up a hog months before it's butchered. Oh, the hog thinks it's getting a good... good the hog feeding. says, I love this corn. Give me some yeah. more of that slop. Yeah. Uh, Sophos, uh, anyway, found... Here's one, the Ace Pro. And it doesn't... It doesn't, you know, it doesn't say that it's, you know, for pig butchering, obviously. Uh, usually it has some value, not necessarily. In this case, it was a QR code reader. That's all. QR code oh. checker. And the reason these get through the app store is because often they are completely benign QR code checkers at first. But then updates slowly add features. Another oh. app was a little more obvious called MBM BitScan a real-time data tracker for cryptocurrencies. One victim, Sophos Track, dumped $4,000 into the app before realizing it was a fake. Looks pretty normal, right? It's just a crypto exchange. So, uh, what would? Oh, I see. They thought they were buying crypto? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bad enough to buy it in the real market. <laughs> well, honestly, I mean, I don't... It's too bad because if crypto had any benefit or value or NFTs yeah. any benefit or value, that's long ago been you know, hidden by the fact that it's primarily used by scammers and, you know, people like this. I mean, maybe there's some hidden value deep within. I, I'm not convinced, but uh, I, I think we can safely say at this point, stay, stay well away. Uh, our own Kevin Rose got hacked. He got social engineered out of his squiggles. You gotta, you gotta... Is, you is gotta, that an NFT? Yeah, you gotta really hurt for a guy who... Uh, you know, he's got so much money. Uh, he made he and his uh, consortium made $50 million selling these owls, moon, moon, moon birds. Uh, but apparently he, uh, he also liked to invest. And uh, somebody social engineered him and stole. Let me see if I can find his squiggle. He said it was a really nice squiggle. Stole one of his squiggles. It's worth thousands. There it is. 
Uh, it's <laughs> amazing how smart people can get social engineered. I mean, it's 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 incredible sometimes. Well, I mean, if look, if Kevin, who is absolutely adept at this stuff, can get social engineered, I think yeah. that, that proves anyone anyone right. can. Right? Here's uh, even though this was simple, not rare. Loved the pattern. Damn. Yeah, I like to think it would never happen to me because I'm really savvy. But now I'm <laughs> now I'm getting scared. <laughs> well, you know, maybe uh, here's another one he's going to miss. Uh, he doesn't. Chromie Squiggle eight four six seven by Snowfro. Simple and easily identifiable. Each squiggle embodies the soul of the Art Blocks platform. Yeah, he loved this one too. Also stolen. Chromie Squiggle eight nine nine eight. Well, if somebody steals an NFT, can you invalidate it? I mean, it's it's all digital anyway. Couldn't you just like? No, you lost ownership. Hey. You don't have control. No, that's the point. The ownership. What's the old phrase of possession is three quarters of ownership? Nine or, tenths of the no, law. it's nine tenths of the law. Yes. Well, in crypto, possession is one hundred percent of the law, yeah. right? Yeah. Maybe I just don't get NFTs. To me, they're just digital stuff that every copy is identical to the original. But I understand the well, that's registration the, that's, of it and all that. Yeah, I mean, nonsense. that's the irony. Of this is Kevin still has yeah. access to the art. He can put it on his Twitter feed. He just doesn't have. That's like saying I can take. A, can I can go to the MoMA and take real... a photo of a Jackson Pollock and put that well, on my wall. Though it's not the Maybe same thing, right? This is the, re the fake real version, and it's actually worth more than the real real version because I stand behind it, and I'm the guy who owned it in the first place. And I don't know. It's got to be. I bet. I bet if Kevin collaborated with the Squiggle dude and made a second version of each of those Squiggles, they'd be worth way more money because of the Kevin Rose name attached to it. Right. Get the limited edition Kevin Rose edition of this Squiggle. And I bet, to Larry's point, there's got to be a way to somehow lock your creative works down on the blockchain oh you would think yeah yeah if, i'm sure if there was a way kevin would have done it yeah i think he i, I don't, don't know. know what happened this is the thing he was socially engineered so what happened somebody he pretended to be somebody he trusted or knew and he's or, or maybe he said buyer, yeah. here i'd like to buy this for twenty thousand dollars uh kevin said great here you go and then it turned out not to be 20. Who knows what happened? But uh, yeah, so he should have waited until the check cleared, so to speak. Always wait till the, yeah. the check. Yeah. See, this is your yeah. problem, Larry. Okay, boomer, till the yeah, check the clears. Sure. I'm waiting for that check. <laughs> yep. Yep, that's right. Till the check clears. When's the I'm last gonna time? I'm going to look at my bank book to make sure the money's in there, right? <laughs> you got that little that's savings book, right? When's the last time you wrote happened. a check, Larry? Uh, many years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Will, I think I might have written one to the IRS. I'm not sure at one point. Yeah. Will, do you ever write checks? I haven't written a check in a long time, but I do. Um, I did get a check from um, over here. We pay something called um, council tax, which is like, you know, the, the money you pay your local authority to pick up your bins and keep the streets done and that kind of thing. And if you move out of an area or move into a different area, you get a refund on the amount that you paid that you you know, that you've now overpaid, right? Because you pay sort of in six monthly advances. And they sent me a check back for my refund. And yeah. I discovered um, that you can, if I open my online banking app on mm. my phone, you can take a photo of the check. Yes. And then it'll deposit it in your account. Yes. Isn't that like, wonderful? Can I, can, I, can I take several photos of it? You can take <laughs> as many as you want. <laughs> Only one will I, clear. I I no, and then you're supposed to hang on to it for a few days, yeah. so they make sure it act, the check clears. By the way, then you, then you destroy fun. it. They, mm -hmm. By the way, do that because uh, I got a check issued by Twit, 
a reimbursement check. And I thought I took a picture of it and uploaded it to my bank. And I kept looking in my account and never saw it. Fortunately, I kept the check, so I resubmitted it. And then it went through. So they something happened. But I did mm-hmm. keep it. So. I found a bank book from 1979 from Amherst kids, Savings with $1,000 in it. Do you know what a bank and, book is, kids? <laughs> yeah, kids. If, if, but the thing is, it really was my money. But the company, the bank has been out of business for decades. <laughs> <laughs> and the state of Massachusetts, because it's probably worth a lot now because it's been collecting interest for 40 years and even low interest at something. But the state of Massachusetts can't even figure out, you know, where this money is. So I'm. Oh, out. usually the secretary of state knows when. I know California. I think I got a, a letter just this week from from the secretary of state of California. Yeah. that Somebody owes me a all the time. Thousand bucks. Yeah. I, it's I, with Leo's Bitcoin somewhere. Yeah, somewhere in the right. ether. Hey, you're, you've lost more in your Bitcoin than I did in my savings account. <laughs> all right. I want to take a little break because I have to make up for that loss. And then we are going to get all the stories that the, the our hosts submitted because there's some good ones in here we haven't got to. But before we do that, great great to have Larry Maggot and Denise Howell and Will Harris, all good friends Oh, long-time members of the Twit family. It's really nice to have you all here. Oh, a programming note. Next week, Twit will be on Saturday because uh, I guess there's some football game or something on Sunday, and uh, we didn't want to com- try to compete with the Super Bowl. So uh, Twit and uh, Ask the Tech Guys will shift back one day. Same times, but but on Saturday, February 11th, uh, Ask the Tech Guys, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and then immediately following at 2 p.m., Pacific this week in tech. So you can all enjoy the Super Bowl in peace. I wonder if churches do the same thing. Yeah. God's day is on Saturday this week. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's always a good time to do your shopping is during the Super Bowl or when the, anytime the 49ers are in the playoffs, it gets very quiet around here. Mm -hmm. Everybody stays home. Yep. Our show today brought to you by express VPN. This is the only VPN I use, the only one I trust, and I'll tell you why this is the VPN you want to use. So there's three reasons people like having a virtual private network, software you put on your phone, your computer, even on your router, that routes your internet traffic encrypted through the internet to a server somewhere else and then goes out into the public internet. Three reasons. One, of course, for security, because... If somebody's monitoring your traffic, your internet traffic, they can't see what you're doing. If you're at a coffee shop and a hotel, they can't see your traffic. They just see an encrypted blob heading on out. Two, because, well, frankly, privacy is an issue. Every single time uh, you go out on the net with your personal IP address, people go, oh, there he is again. Your internet service provider is probably the worst offender. ISPs collect, perfectly legally can collect all your internet activity and sell it to to data brokers or big tech companies, they spy on you. The third reason you might want to use it, in case, like Will Harris, you want to watch American Hulu or <laughs> British Netflix or uh, the BBC. It's nice to be able to say, I'm geographically in the UK or in Japan or in France or wherever you want to be. We were in Mexico over the holiday and I wanted to watch a Thursday night football. Amazon said, You can't, you're in Mexico. I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in Miami now, thanks to ExpressVPN, and it went right through. It really is a great thing to have. Here's the one problem, though, with a VPN that you ought to be aware of. All of those things, you're just kicking the can down the road. So you've got to trust the server you're using, that they're not spying on you. 
That's why I prefer and use and recommend ExpressVPN. They take the extra steps to make sure your privacy is 100% protected. They have independent third-party audits on their technology, on their privacy policy, to guarantee that they are living up to it. They actually go an extra step that a lot of companies wouldn't even think of. For instance, all ExpressVPN servers, and they are all over the world, run a special Debian distribution that automatically wipes the drive and reinstalls every day at startup. So there's never any data collected. In fact, even better, they run their special server, server they've created, a VPN server they've created, called uh, the uh, uh, Trusted Server. They run that in RAM sandbox so it can't write to the disk. So when you press that button on your ExpressVPN app on your Mac or your PC or your iOS or Android device, it automatically spins up a server in RAM, can't write to disk, and then when you're done, it's gone and so are, so are all the traces of your visit. There is no way anybody could know you're there. And we know this not only from the regular audits, but we know it because from time to time in countries where they don't believe in knocking before they bash down the door to take the servers, they've done that to ExpressVPN and there's never anything on those servers. We know you are private. ExpressVPN. And, and the other thing is, they invest in their in their infrastructure, so they rotate their IP addresses, so they're always fresh. They they uh, they they make sure they have enough bandwidth at every server, so you don't feel sluggish. I know you've probably used VPN and said, oh, "I don't want to use that. That's slow." Not ExpressVPN. You can you can actually watch HD video with ExpressVPN, and you'll never notice the difference. I know a lot of people put ExpressVPN on their routers, and you would not know your whole house is now protected, and nobody will say, "Oh, why is it slow?" Because it isn't. That's why ExpressVPN is rated number one by CNET, by Wired, by TechRadar, countless others, me too. ExpressVPN.com slash twit. Spell it out, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, VPN.com slash T-W-I-T. If you go there right now, you'll get three extra months free with a one-year purchase. I know you're going to say, oh, I get a free VPN. No, no. You, you really want to spend a little money because you want them to put that into the infrastructure, keeping things up to date. Working on things like that trusted server technology, expressvpn.com slash twit. You want to know more? There was a great article in Bleeping Computer last year uh, all about ExpressVPN and how their servers work. It's really great. Thank you, ExpressVPN, for your support. Thank you for supporting us by using that address, expressvpn.com slash twit. We had a lovely week this week on Twit. John, do we have a fabulous promotional video to show the, the people? Let's see it. AI Leo is alive. You ha ha ha. Previously on Twit, Tech News Weekly. So Michael Fisher, aka Mr. Mobile, uh, was at Samsung Unpacked 2023. One thing that I think a lot of us have been hoping for is a, an Android device that can replace the iPhone. I always have to have an iPhone with me because it is superior in mobile videography. Uh, and it was very clear to me when I started seeing the leaks and started learning about the S23 line and the Ultra that Samsung is really coming hard for that and trying to close that gap. This week in space, we're joined by best-selling author Daniel Suarez to discuss his exciting new book release, Critical Mass. So often I'll talk to mainstream people about space who may not follow it, and they will immediately bring up, hey, we have pressing issues here on Earth. I think that that's right. more important. You know, rather than just make an argument or just say it, I'd like to demonstrate, show how space 
is going to be absolutely critical in solving a lot of the problems here on Earth, especially the pressing ones. This week in Google. You were going to test something for me for this week. What was that? Uh, the, the new voice, better voice stuff on the, oh, uh, crap, the uh, I was. Nexus 7. Let me call you. It's really it's noisy in here. Can you hear me okay? You hear so, yeah, I don't hear the vacuum at all. I don't hear vacuum. I don't hear it. Yeah. Twit. Yeah, could you get over there? You missed a spot. How long are they going to use that AI, Leo? You know, you got the real one. You don't have to use the AI, <laughs> the AI Leo. It's not so good. I'm just saying. <laughs> you don't you don't think chat gpt could do the show better than you could yeah probably could unfortunately and yeah, they're no. actually really good uh, uh actually scary good uh, voice uh, synthesis uh, programs yep. like that 11 ai which 4chan used to uh, create celebrity fakes that were well it's 4chan you can imagine you know um they got uh, you know 11 ai actually had to say oh, wait wait a minute <laughs> let's step back a little bit uh, I don't know what's gonna what's gonna happen. There are a lot of lawsuits, Denise, uh, over uh, Chat GPT using text f from real authors of Stable Diffusion and Mid Journey and Dolly using real artists' images. Uh, yeah. Do you think these lawsuits are are going to succeed? Well, copyright law is a bitch. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but can you prove? Yeah. I mean, how do you? So Getty is one, for instance. That's uh, Getty uh, Images. Uh, is suing, saying uh, Dolly used our images to create its artificial images. And we know because we can see the, the modified uh, watermarks from our images. Mm -hmm. I think that yeah, might be so a they've got successful suit. Absolutely. I mean, if, you know, if you have a copyright in something and someone has used it for commercial purposes without your permission, you've probably got a pretty good is case against them. Isn't it derivative, though? I mean, how... How, I mean, do you get off the hook because it's not the actual image? Uh, you might. I mean, yeah, derivative works are, are part of the fair use doctrine. So you could come back and say, hey, it's fair use. But a lot of factors go into determining fair use, including whether it's for commercial use or ah, not, or whether it's yeah. for education, whether it's for news. Um, so you'd have to go through that whole analysis. The other thing that people can assert, and someone brought this up in IRC, is if they're scraping to get all this which material. Which they are. Which, yeah. yeah, exactly. So um, there are there are ways you can prevent and not just physically block that, but you can you can have um, lawsuits that complain and successfully. Uh, get you damages for people who have scraped if they've if they've not just if they've damaged you from the material they've gotten but they you have to show their impact on your site or service right. by doing that i mean all but, arts it stands on the shoulders of the previous artists mm -hmm. i guess it's the other question is if, if i were to publish let's say i were to have chat gtp write an article for me and i were to publish it under my own name um, do i have the copyright of that i mean i didn't write it it wrote it um, so what, what, chat GBT, and I haven't played with it probably as much as you guys have, yeah. uh, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's open source right now, right? I think so. And yeah, free. Open, they call it open AI. I don't know what that really means. Right. Yeah. And and I, I don't know if they're making you click on a license agreement or not before you kick the tires on the thing and put it to use, but I'm guessing probably. no. Yeah. Um, I so, I mean, the way that'll all go forward is if there's, you know, it will depend on the licensing terms. And just like the things that we use technologically to create 
creative works now, uh, Microsoft Word or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly Microsoft doesn't own your your works that you create in their products. And I think that that's how this will have to evolve is that either there will be an implied or an express license that you own the works that you're creating using these tools. But who knows? Someone may decide to try and claw that back a bit. Well, you'd be pleased to know, Denise, that you are a prominent internet and technology lawyer a well-known commentator. So. Oh, did you oh, ask ChatGPT like like about me? That's funny. Like I haven't you. done that. It also tells it, it tells me that I wrote for USA Today, and I'm still waiting to get checks from USA Today. Yeah. I remember ever ChatGPT, <laughs> as we've pointed out a number of times on our shows, at no point was designed to be accurate. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. No, it's not. It's but not it, in its parameters. You are prominent. She is prominent. No, but it, it gives it gives its answers in a way that's that's so self confident. I heard, yeah. I heard somebody say, um, "Chat GPT has all the self confidence of a not knowledgeable white man." Yeah, it, <laughs> it's basically a mansplaining engine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. confidently wrong. So I'm looking at the use the uh, uh, user terms. On chat GPT, and it says you can't use it in a way that infringes, misappropriates, or violates any person's rights. Uh, you can't, you can't, looks like you can't, you know, try to reverse engineer it. Doesn't say anything about not, you may provide input, input and output content. Doesn't say anything about not using it. Oh, actually, it. I asked chat BT if I could republish it, and it said I can't. You may not republish the content without obtaining permission from OpenAI. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Which is interesting. But OpenAI is informative. Get did, did they get permission to get, to get the content that they're publishing? Though? Yeah. I, I yeah. Good, oh, they good absolutely point. did not, right? They, yeah. they screwed it. But I think it's fascinating. I mean, so many of these things that ChatGPT is doing, like there's a great, this great article in Semaphore about why even the, the creators of it at OpenAI can't figure out why it won't do certain things. So well, in this instance, Go ahead. If you if you ask it to write um, a viral tweet that was this week was um, when asked to write a poem about the positive attributes of Donald Trump, Chat GPT refused to wade into politics, saying yeah. that wasn't its job. But when asked to do the same thing for Joe Biden, it wrote a poem. Yeah, and then and then, then when asked, OpenAI said we don't know why it wasn't. We don't some, know why we didn't tell it not to write about Donald Trump, and it was okay to do Biden. This is somewhat scary, right? That the, the rules that these bias. things follow are not visible, you know? They're, and they're uh, clearly capricious. Yeah. yeah. But and we're going to see a lot some... more of it. Bing, uh, Microsoft's Bing this yeah. week, a uh, number of Bing users reported they saw ChatGPT and Bing. Microsoft, who invested a billion dollars in OpenAI, has uh, said that they're going to give them an additional $10 billion to incorporate ChatGPT into Microsoft Office and into Bing search results. This is scaring the hell out of Google. Yeah. Uh, which calls this a red alert because, uh, and they, you know, are right now testing a lot of responses. Google's asking employees to test uh, something called Apprentice Bard using its Lambda technology. But Facebook said this. Uh, Jan Lacun is their AI, one of their uh, genius AI guy, said, oh, chat GPT is nothing. We've got stuff like that. Most of these other companies, unlike OpenAI, are doing it in private. Uh, but now, because... I don't think... Yeah, they, they don't appear to have things that are as good, right? I don't know. And- we'll find out. I mean, 
Uh, but uh, I, the I most love recent the story of- is that the folks at OpenAI rushed ChatGPT out. And I imagine mm-hmm. that there is uh, now mm-hmm. a rush at Google and Meta and Microsoft and Apple to rush something out to respond, right? But I love the idea of being able to open Microsoft Word and have the long-awaited return of Clippy with, it looks like you're writing a letter. Would you like me to write most of it for you? But but the thing that's different about ChatGPT is actually smarter than Clippy, right? Malware, one of the big concerns Imagine if Clippy was good. Right. Uh, One of the big concerns is malware uh, uh, is being written by ChatGPT, and it works. It works. Uh, We talked about this on Security Now. Um. All I want is for Apple to have some technology helping out messaging that doesn't try and change every word that you're yeah. typing there to oh. something you don't intend to type. My, my favorite story Are you just writing about, duck too much, Denise? My, my, favorite, <laughs> my favorite spell checker story, this is the true story, is many years ago when I was writing for the LA Times, I mentioned that I was going to a warehouse and I misspelled the word warehouse. And uh-huh. <laughs> happy it, it wasn't until the syndicate got my story that they realized I didn't mean whorehouse. So that could have gotten me in very serious trouble, at least with my wife, uh, had that come out. When we went down to the whorehouse the other day. <laughs> exactly. Uh, You'll never believe I, what we found in that yeah, whorehouse. Yeah. <laughs> That to be fair, I once had to. If we're if we're into old old technology journalism stories, I once had to try and work out what on earth. I had a, an editor come back from a very, very traditional boozy English lunch with a with a PR colleague, filed this incredible copy. He was like, "I've got the greatest story. I've got the greatest story." Filed this story, and I had to had copy edit it. And when I looked at it, it looked like complete and utter gibberish but complete and utter gibberish in a way that sort of looked like it made sense. And when I sat there and looked at it, I looked at it and I went away and made a cup of coffee about half an hour later, I realized he'd written the entire thing one key to the right. <laughs> <laughs> but it just been so t- drunk he hadn't noticed. He just touched typed the entire thing one key uh, to the right. And I transposed it all back and it was a great see, scoop. Chat good, GPT could have done that. You could just say, could've hey, transpose it. everything one key to the right. It, literally, that's the probably thing I could have done. So yeah. the, the Verge has been really hammering CNET. Now, I think there's somewhat of this yeah. as an intramural war between two competitors. But they've been hammering CNET. We had Connie Guglielmo, editor-in-chief of CNET, on a few weeks ago on Twitter when this story broke that CNET had used uh, its own artificial intelligence, I think they call it Wordsmith, to create 75 articles in their personal finance uh, section. She said, look, these are articles no reporter wants to write. So we had the, the, the AI write them, and then a, lo- a human editor check them and edit them, uh, and then we put it out because no one wants to write these basic articles, but, but we need them. Then The Verge said, well, okay, first of all, there's still plenty of inaccuracies in these articles. Second, it looks like Red Ventures, the private equity company that bought CNET and a number of other sites, including the Points Guy and CreditCard.com, uh, is using these to create SEO-friendly articles that, yeah, no one wants to write them because they're stupid. But Chanet, uh, search engines will come up with the, them as a, as a search result if you search for, you know, where do I get the best credit card rate or, or the like. And so they're very lucrative for Red Ventures. Now, The Verge is doubling down on this, and this doesn't have to do with AI anymore. The Verge is saying this week that CNET pushed reporters to be more favorable to advertisers. 
Now, Connie was pretty hopped up about The Verge taking aim at CNET. She said, this is an overblown story. This didn't happen. I don't know how Connie or, uh, you know, we've had Lindsay Turrentine, who is, uh, you know, now a big wig at, at CNET Red Ventures on the show, too. We have a lot of CNET people on. I like CNET people. I like a lot of these reporters. I'm wondering how they feel about this. Uh, according to The Verge, who says we have many sources uh, under the ownership of Red Ventures, staff has been fighting to protect CNET's editorial independence and rigor amid a push towards sponsored content and affiliate marketing by its new corporate owners. Uh, one staffer told The Verge, everyone at CNET is more afraid of Red Ventures than they are of AI. Oh, oh this, <clears throat> I hate to be like the, the grumpy old man on this, but this is like the story of running every media company of all time that relies on advertising right it's like you've got one group of people who are the sales people who are going hey i could really close this deal if there was like just you know just one little thing if you could say something nice on the site and all the journalists go no get lost and all the advertiser people people go well you wouldn't have jobs if you you know we didn't bring in the advertising and all the journalists go well you wouldn't have jobs if we didn't write all the content and it goes back and forth and back and forth and yeah. it's literally been like this way since the invention of the but, newspaper and, and, I, feel, I feel like the verge is, is just going like super holier than thou i would wager a large chunk of money yeah, maybe that there is somebody at the verge Doing right which is also thing. owned by a venture capital company right. which is also right it's it's the same everywhere uh a well, good company, and I've worked at a few, including Ziff Davis back in the day, yeah. uh, will have a, a firewall between... The Chinese wall, right? The Chinese yeah. wall between... And we don't say Chinese wall anymore, but that, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, sorry. It's yeah. the Kung Wall, or whatever they call it. No, no, the Chinese wall between editorial and advertising. And I remember uh, at Tech TV, we were going to do a story on how to hack the Xbox, and the ad sales folks went crazy. They said, Microsoft buys a ton of ads on Tech TV. Uh, and we said, well, uh, what do you want us to do? And to their credit, our management said, no, no, go right ahead with that. They'll be fine. Maybe they'll pull ads, which they did for a while, but they'll come back. Uh, we don't want to have our editorial influenced and a good company will do that. Yeah. You know, there is a, you know, because we're a small company, I do the ads. We don't make a lot of our hosts do ads, but the in-house hosts do ads. You've heard me do it. Um, and we just, but we have some standards. We don't approve advertisers. We don't like, I say no all the time. Uh, we always disclaim when we do a story that talks about somebody who is advertised with us, we say that. And I will say, absolutely. I always tell all of our hosts, and you'll back me up on this to tell the truth. It's not the advertiser should not have any influence over what we say or, or do. And there've been times when that's been problematic, but, but everybody in our company, and I would assume at a good company, understands the editorial integrity is what yeah. makes that company succeed. If people start believing that your editorial judgments are influenced by advertisers, you've got nothing to sell to advertisers. You know, I, I can tell you, Liv, you know, I've been in this business probably about the same time you have 40 years. And I've worked for, you know, CBS. I've worked for the LA Times. I've worked for the New York Times. I've written for the New York Times. I have never, ever been pressured. I have never, ever been censored but there was another cnet story and i'm embarrassed to say it was at the time my same employer cbs owned cnet at the time when cnet pulled a product of the of ces award away oh i dish remember network, that remember and dish network was in a dispute with cbs 
And as a CBS employee, that was time, blatant. Many of us were very embarrassed. I mean, the people in the newsroom were very upset about it was, you know, whoever in the company did this. Yes, it was blatant. And they got a they got a slap slapped around for that. So it's not the first time that they were accused of that. But I, I'm, I'm not as cynical as you are, Will. I mean, I, I do know that it happens, but I also know that there is such a strong ethos, ethos. I mean, it's the same argument I have with people who accuse the mainstream media of fake news. I mean, do they pick stories based on biases? Maybe, but they don't go out of their way to lie. And when they do lie, they usually, or when they do, when there is an error, it's incredibly embarrassing. And I've made errors in print, and I'm very embarrassed. And I, and I always insist on a correction. Um, you yeah, know, and, and, and just to be cl- just to be clear, I'm I'm not being cynical. I'm I'm just saying. <clears throat> I'm just, uh, or even accusing anybody of anything. I'm just saying that the dance between advertiser and editorial well, is just as, is just as old as media. And yeah, so, and for someone to imagine, you know, I find it difficult to imagine that it's better or worse at any particular, you know. Yeah, and CNET I've been trotted village, out right? to go to advertiser dinners and shake hands yeah, with advertisers, but again, not to not to pander to their, you know, to their lying or anything like that. It is it is a fine line, and I think what's changed uh, in our lifetimes, Larry is that thanks to YouTube and influencers, this line has become more and more blurred. And one, yes. of, the, one of the accusations uh, from The Verge, and again, I, I, I said it up front, I'll say it again, The Verge is a competitor to CNET, and so you got to take a grain of salt. But one of the things they accused CNET of is a video, a YouTube video, uh, published by uh, CNET at C, from CES, which was last month, called Moen Unveils Innovative Smart Sprinkler Products at CES. The CNET host takes viewers through the company's booth, interviewing company representatives, testing products. The video is an ad, but the host doesn't say that. Neither does the video description. And the title didn't include a disclosure either. Now, uh, Denise has told us many times, you've been very good about this, that the FTC looks (laughs) frowns on this. They don't cotton to that at they all. Don't cotton to it. No. Uh, the only yeah, disclaimer was a small pop-up that YouTube inserted when an uploader has indicated there's a paid promotion in a video. Uh, though CNET doesn't actually specify what in the video is promoted. Uh, after The Verge asked Red Ventures about the ad, a disclosure was silently added to the video's description. The FTC is very clear that when, uh, for instance, if... if I don't tweet about sponsors, but when if one of our uh, sales staff tweets about a sponsor, they have to put hashtag ad, hashtag yeah. sponsor. They have to very clearly disclose uh, that <clears throat> this is a sponsor. Um, or hashtag partner. We see a lot. Yep. But I have yeah, to yeah. say, uh, YouTube is the Wild West when it comes to this. And no one yeah. can – there's so many videos, I don't think anybody can enforce it. It happens yeah, all but- the time. I, I do. I watch enough YouTube to know that people who who care about maintaining their YouTube channels and their followers and staying in good standing with YouTube itself, much less the FTC, they are very skilled at this. Yeah. Uh, they not only put the right disclaimers in the right places, but they do it at the right time. Like if only a portion of the video is sponsored, then right. they do it then. Right, right. Yeah. Connect Safely takes money from companies that I write about sometimes. I always put a disclosure at the bottom of the article that, that, you know, I'm CEO of Connect Safely, which gets money from that company. I don't know whether that's a requirement or not, but it just seems like the only right, it seems like the right thing to do. And the readers can make up their own mind if they think I'm biased. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, we live in a different world where there are a lot of us are freelance working for ourselves. A lot of us in a situation where we're selling advertising at the same time as we're creating content. So it is a new world. It is not the old yeah. world where you had this big media company that would defend you, that has lawyers, that has a Chinese wall between advertising and editorial. That That's all, in many cases, it's gone. So uh, I trust Connie and Lindsay. I'd yeah. be very curious what they have to say about this. Um, they've been on our shows many times. And when Connie was on not so long ago, I think she made a credible defense. But clearly, uh, there's something to talk about here. And um, and I, I guess the most important thing is to say now it's let the buyer beware. As a consumer of editorial content, you always have to ask yourself, you know, how credible is this? How much integrity is this person? <clears throat> is this being disclosed? Because times have changed. Right. Yep. Uh, Larry'sWorld.com. I think a close personal friend of the show wrote this. Paradigm shifts of yesterday, yesteryear, today, and tomorrow. Uh, this is fun. You're talking about things that changed in your yeah, many you know, years in this business. <laughs> when I look back at my, I got involved in the tech journalist in the early 80s. When I look back at things that have happened, I mean, first of all, the the early PCs, or a paradigm shift. The Apple Mac was a paradigm shift. Um, obviously, the iPhone was a paradigm shift. Broadband was a paradigm shift. You could, you could count them on probably two hands, the ones that I've witnessed in, in my career as a tech journalist. I mean, the laptop was not a paradigm shift. It was just a smaller version of a personal computer. The tablet wasn't a paradigm shift. It was just a bigger version of a smartphone. And so I'm thinking about what are the paradigm shifts of 2023 and or 2020, you know, this right now. And the two that come to mind our metaverse and uh, and AI, or at least the the, the evolution of AI as, as witnessed by Chat GTP, and I'm I'm thinking the metaverse. I'm not sure how much of a paradigm shift it's going to be because it's too early to. We know. don't know. Yeah, so we far it's been kind of a yeah. bust, to be frank. So far, so but but it, but that you know the Mac didn't do all that well. Yeah. It, it, it was amazing. I remember I reviewed it and I was blown away by it, but the market didn't um, didn't really. You know, same thing. Same thing for uh, a lot of technologies. In the early yeah. days, they're not impressive. Early video games were nothing compared to today's video games. But, but even the iPhone initially, until they came out with the App Store, wasn't yeah. wasn't a, you know a blockbuster. You know, again, tech journals like but, us loved it. But you'd agree that that mobile was a paradigm shift. Yeah, mobile was massive. a paradigm shift. Sure. Yeah. When I got my first cell phone, the fact that I could make a call and not be tethered to a phone. To a, to, a, to a house or an office, and, you know, that was a kind of a car phone, the bag phone. Even that was a paradigm, yeah. huge paradigm shift, although so we I, had car phones before then. I, I have come to the opinion probably that metaverse and AR, that's distant. I mean, it's not going to be a paradigm shift until you can wear augmented reality spectacles. Right, exactly. And who knows when that's going to be. Apple's apparently having difficulty making that a reality, and they've put that right. off. Well, I do think that there's a real legit question that AI – is at some sort of inflection point right now. And I've been asking yeah, this sure. on all of our shores because at first you go, wow, look what's going on with images, text. We now have AI music. This is something happened. This is an inflection point. Things have changed. But I've also asked the question, or is this just yet another AI spring that will be followed by an AI winter? You know, we thought cars would be driving themselves by now. We right. thought, I mean. I bought a, one that was supposed to drive itself, yeah. right. It's yeah. turned out to be harder to do than we thought. Yeah. And I'm wondering if, if, for all of its marvels, if chat GPT or mid-journey really is just a parlor trick. And, you know, in the next few 
years we're going to look back on it and go, yeah, I guess that didn't happen. Or not. Or is it about to explode? What do you think, Denise? I have one to add to Larry's list. Streaming. Yeah. yeah. Look what Which, we're doing right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when Rob Glazer showed me the real audio at the time, mm-hmm. I was blown away by it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've been, right. we've been do uh, this, what we are doing right now, and for people who listen after the fact, you know, we also stream live as we're doing a show, is higher quality than television was until very <laughs> recently over the, with a distribution footprint that includes the entire globe uh, at very little cost to us. It's kind of a revolution. I could, and, could, and I would argue the fact that, you know, at least some of us are in almost broadcast quality broadcasting from home. Yes. Right. Technology that costs under before, $1,000. Before the pandemic, yeah. if you wanted to be on CNN, you would have to go to a satellite bureau right. and sit in right. front of a camera and get an earpiece. I, I know because I used to do it all the time. All of a sudden, thanks to the pandemic, everybody's on Skype and Zoom and... Cisco WebEx and 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 it didn't go back after the you know there's they're never going to make you go to a satellite bureau again. I'm looking at you, Leo. I'm looking at you and Denise side by side. I know you're in a studio with probably very very expensive cameras. I assume Denise, you're at home with a with a webcam of some type. The quality difference between the two images is not dramatic. It's minimal. It, it's it, it's minimal. Yeah. Not worth whatever you paid for those cameras. Frankly, no <laughs> offense. We are not using expensive oh. cameras. I'll reassure you, Larry. These are okay, consumer grade camcorders from 10 years ago. But, you know, the funny thing is when, when, when I'll try and take TV that show a, stations come out and interview me, they actually do bring $50,000 cameras. They don't need to anymore. Stop I know. It. Why do they do Watch that? Watch CNN or MSNBC or Fox. Everybody's on Zoom now uh, or yeah. whoever paid the branding, Cisco on CNN. But but everybody's on a, a webcam and sometimes it's terrible, but we're just used to it. <laughs> Go ahead. Right. What were you going to say, Will? I was just going to say, I mean, Larry noticed, you know, your fantastic quality and Denise's fantastic quality. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to try and not take that. What as are a you using? A potato? <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> what are you using there? It's terrible. It's the we beard, need- right? You can't stand the beard. It's the beard. The beard. You, have to go no, you, you need a ring light. <laughs> yeah. Look at Denise, <laughs> yeah. you're lit beautifully. Do you use yeah, a ring light? What are you lighting using? I have a ring light. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. As all good influencers do. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Will. The we're, other, we're the other thing streaming you. did. We'll get you better. Back- I got a little glare on your face anyway. I got to fix that here. Go ahead. You remember the hand ringing about uh, LimeWire and Napster and... Yeah. <laughs> All of that streaming yeah. just wiped all that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We, I still never catch on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the the number one record store in the world now is iTunes, and people don't buy music to keep. They they just subscribe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that's a huge... We've seen... I mean, we live in an age of paradigm shifts. It's kind the of The only amazing. time I ever buy CDs if I go to a concert of, like, you know, a, a, a musician who's not super famous... Just to support them, though, right? It's a, way of, it's a donation. Yeah, I, would, I never yeah. unwrap them. We yeah. were we were at uh, a big stadium show with uh, Motley Crue and uh, uh, Joan Jett and um, Poison. This is crazy. And the and the and they went around the Shriners, <laughs> went around selling the latest Motley Crue CD, and for a good cause. So Lisa bought one. Yeah. And then she she looks at it and looks at the person sitting next to her and said, "What are we going to do with these?" Right, we don't exactly. have a CD player. Right. I think it's, she it's threw like it out. It's like the AOL discs that you yeah, see Yeah, what everywhere. are we going to do with this? Well, we, it was a good cause. Yeah. We, we don't mind jo- donating the Shriners, but 
I don't need the CD. You keep the CD because I, I could just listen on my Apple Music subscription. Exactly. I don't need it. Yeah, we're in interesting times. I, I am on the fence as to whether AI is going to be this big explosion. That's what everybody's assuming. I think it's perfectly possible that we'll look back at this and say, Pfft. yeah, well, like Bitcoin, right? Well, I think, look, first of all, AI has already exploded. I mean, if you think about the Amazon Echo, I don't want to say the A word because everybody's Echoes. Yeah, we know what you're talking about when you say echo. There is AI in in our cars. There's AI in in, in, in in my, literally, there's AI in my toothbrush. We're like crazy people. We're talking to everything all the time. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. My toothbrush actually has some way it analyzes if I'm brushing my teeth correctly. Yeah, me too. You know what? That's all about getting the app on your phone so they can spy on you. You know that, right? Probably, yeah. Because who needs an app to tell them (laughs) if they've brushed long enough? Really? It also tells if you brush hard enough. I know, I know. I have the same and, app, and it shows you if you've yeah. got the regions and on it. And it it's still, it's not. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> it I was only 20 bucks app. more than the other I one. Know, so what the I know, I know. One word. Mouthwash. <laughs> <laughs> it works every time. Every time. Hey, everybody. Leo Laporte here. I am the founder and one of the hosts at the Twit Podcast Network. I want to talk to you a little bit about what we do here at Twit because I think it's unique, and I think for anybody who is uh, bringing a product or a service to a tech audience, you need to know about what we do here at Twit. We've built an amazing audience of engaged, intelligent, affluent listeners who listen to us and trust us when we recommend. A product. Our mission statement is to, is to build a highly engaged community of tech enthusiasts. Boy, already you should be your ears should be perking up at that because highly engaged is good for you. Tech enthusiasts, if that's who you're looking for, this is the place. We do it by offering them the knowledge they need to understand and use technology in today's world. And I hear from our audience all the time. Part of that knowledge comes from our advertisers. We are very careful. We pick advertisers with great products, great services, with integrity, and introduce them to our audience with authenticity uh, and genuine enthusiasm. And that makes our host red ads different from anything else you can buy. We are literally bringing you to the attention of our audience and giving you a big, fat endorsement. We like to create partnerships with trusted brands, brands who are in it for the long run, long-term partners that want to grow with us. And we have so many great success stories. Tim Broom, who founded IT Pro TV in 2013, started advertising with us on day one, has been with us ever since. He said, quote, we would not be where we are today without the Twit Network. I think the proof is in the pudding. Advertisers like IT Pro TV and Audible that have been with us for more than 10 years. They stick around because their ads work. And honestly, isn't that why you're buying advertising? You get a lot with Twit. We have a very full service attitude. We almost think of it as kind of artisanal uh, advertising, boutique advertising. You'll get a full service continuity team. People who are on the phone with you, who are in touch with you, who support you from with everything from copywriting to graphic design. So you are not alone in this. We embed our ads into the shows. They're not they're not added later. They're part of the shows. In fact, often they're such a part of our shows that our other hosts will chime in on the ad saying, yeah, I love that. Or just the other day, <laughs> one of our hosts said, man, I really got to buy that. <laughs> That's an additional benefit to you because you're hearing people 
our audience trusts saying, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, we deliver, always over deliver on impressions. So you know you're going to get the impressions you expect. The ads are unique every time. We don't pre-record them and roll them in. We are genuinely doing those ads in the middle of the show. Uh, we'll give you great onboarding services. Ad tech with pod sites that's free for direct clients. Gives you a lot of reporting. Gives you a great idea of how well your ads are working. You'll get courtesy commercials. You actually can take our ads and share them across social media and landing pages. That really extends the reach. There are other free goodies too, including mentions in our weekly newsletter that's sent to thousands of fans engaged. Fans really want to see this stuff. We give you bonus ads and social media promotion, too. So if you want to be a long-term partner, introduce your product to a savvy, engaged tech audience. Visit twit.tv slash advertise. Check out those testimonials. Mark McCrary is the CEO of Authentic. You probably know him, one of the biggest uh, original podcast advertising companies. We've been with him for 16 years Mark said the feedback from many advertisers over 16 years across a range of product categories, everything from razors to computers, is that if ads and podcasts are going to work for a brand, they're going to work on Twitch shows. I'm very proud of what we do because it's honest, it's got integrity, it's authentic, and it really is a great introduction to our audience of your brand. Our listeners are smart, they're engaged, they're tech-savvy, they're dedicated to our network, and that's one of the reasons we only work with high-integrity partners that we've personally and thoroughly vetted. I have absolute approval on everybody. If you've got a great product, I want to hear from you. Elevate your brand by reaching out today at advertise at twit.tv. Break out of the advertising norm. Grow your brand with host-read ads on twit.tv. Visit twit.tv slash advertise for more details, or you can email us, advertise at twit.tv. Dot TV if you're ready to launch your campaign now. I can't wait to see your product. So give us a ring. Let's go back to the contributors. Uh, this is from Will Harris. Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, are you excited about Hogwarts Legacy? Because it's coming out February 10th. There is a movement afoot because of J.K. Rowling not to buy this new Hogwarts game. Well, it's kind of fascinating for, for multiple reasons. First of all, um, it's, a, it's a game that doesn't include the words Harry or Potter anywhere, <laughs> um, despite that being the sort of multi-gazillion dollar franchise. But the really fascinating thing about it is that I think it is the first time that a AAA game release in, has come out on the new generation of consoles um, quite substantially ahead of the previous gen. So we've previously seen lots of games that are, if they're PS5, they come out on PS4 and PS5 on the same day. Or if they're Xbox, you know, Call of Duty, it comes out on Xbox Series X and, you know, a Series S on the same day and PC quite often the same thing. So it's, it's very, very odd to have what Hogwarts Legacy is doing right now, which is it's an early February release for PlayStation 5 and the latest Xbox. Yeah. But you don't get it until April 4th. What? Do you the get... PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. Oh. And you don't get it until the end of July for the Nintendo Switch, even though it's exactly the same game. They're all ostensibly finished. Um, and 
it's you know there's a lots of there's sort of lots of people talking about it. Sony or Microsoft might have paid them to say make it exclusive for three months. But it, but but that's just it. They're they're exclusive to their top end consoles. Not even right? the, the, it's the exclusive. Lower end. Yeah. But keep yeah, it off the if, switch. If you, if you, keep it off the switch for three months. <laughs> Screw the switch, people. Yeah. Like it would be one thing if it was, you know, February the tenth for the PlayStation Five and Four and April the fourth for the Xbox series and PC and Xbox One. But it's the fact that it's all the latest gen stuff is coming out first. And then the lower gen stuff is coming out later, and then yeah, the like sort of ancient stuff book. like the Switch is yeah, yeah. It's and it's and yeah. The paperback comes think, out the year after, right? You don't put out yeah, the paperback. Yeah, I don't think it's been done for a AAA title in hmm. this generation, and I wonder if it will be now. If this is the breaking point, I wonder if there's some concern uh, about the re- the response to it. I, that's what I wonder about. Yeah. I've already heard people saying I'm not buying another J.K. Rowling. She didn't have anything to do with it, as the companies are quick to point out. But, of course, this is her uh, intellectual property. Um, A lot of this is based on the books. Um, Oh, and, of course, then just to make it just a little bit more complicated, if you buy the deluxe edition for an extra £10 on PS5 or um, Xbox X, um, you also get it three days earlier than the people that already get it early. <laughs> hey, it's expensive to make <laughs> so these games, so it, Will. You don't want us to make our so, money back? So it's got four different release dates for the exact same game in the space of four months. Here's my question. Kind of mad. When's the TV series based on the game coming out? Yeah. That's the hot thing right now. Have you watched The Last of Us? Are you getting that yet on your uh, American Hulu? <laughs> well that's it's no HBO, we get it on actually. we get it on we get it on sky over here yeah. it's um quite yeah amazing. i mean that's but i loved i don't know if you guys saw um pedro pascal on snl last night i heard he was wonderful yes he was I mean, wonderful he did yeah. the most yes. amazing skit about um uh, an adaptation of mario kart the video game <laughs> and if you haven't watched it it's on twitter it's on the official snl um twitter feed it it, it is just brilliant yeah no butts sadly no butts <laughs> well, I got a book. none of mario's butts. i got a book for you i'll tell you this book is a fantastic <laughs> look at the an inside look at mario's butt it's all in here look at that butt uh <laughs> Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who uh, was a discovery at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and then created Fleabag, which is an amazing series, later Killing Eve. She's working on a Tomb Raider TV series. She's a great writer. Uh, she won't star in it, obviously, nor will uh, Angelina Jolie. I don't know who's going who's gonna to star in it, but... I think the success of The Last of Us, and I think this is... People are going to look back at this and say, this is when... TV series based on video games finally lived up to their promise uh, might open yeah. up the the sluice gates as they say for a whole bunch more like this and to get Phoebe Waller-Bridge is a pretty much of a coup especially because she's who, of a course is going to be coming up yeah and Tomb she's going to be coming off a hot streak this year with um having co-written the new Indiana Jones movie oh, so you'd have to think nice. that having co-written the new Indiana Jones she'd know a little bit a, bit, a little bit about Tomb Raider nice yeah but she, I think she's going to be feminist, so this is not going to be Tomb Raider, not known for its um, feminist qualities. Subtleties. Subtleties. <laughs> so I don't know. Laura's kind of a badass. She's a badass, true. <laughs> but she's a hot badass. That's true. Yeah. Uh, in, in practical shorts for adventuring. Yes. 
<laughs> you need some you need some longs for those weeds, man. Honestly. Can we just agree that that's the show title? Impractical Shorts, I think, uh, is now a front runner anyway. <laughs> Uh, for yeah, for tomb raiding, yeah. Uh, okay, all right, kids. I think we've had enough. Our fun here is done, ladies and gentlemen. It is uh, it is a pleasure to see all uh, three of you. Before we go, I do want to remind everybody that we are going to have some fun uh, this week uh, in Club Twit. We are going to do an interview with Daniel Suarez, the author of Demon and Freedom TM. His newest book just come out. Uh, couple of days ago critical mass he will join me on friday at 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern for a special interview and if you're in the club you'll have an opportunity to ask questions directly of uh, daniel suarez the day before win to dow host of all about android is a fireside chat samable salmon coming up next month stacy's book club uh, and victor Bognot, one of our great editors going to do his inside twit uh, in april there's a lot coming up in club twit you get ad-free versions of all the shows. You get access to the fabulous Club Twit Discord. Uh, can I invite you to join Club Twit? We'd love to have you in the club. Seven bucks a month. You get all that plus a lot more shows we don't put out in public, like Hands on Windows, Hands on Macintosh, Untitled Linux Show. Uh, you get, uh, uh, I think, a full-blown experience for very little, less a buck less than a blue check on Twitter, and you get so much more. <laughs> Go to twit.tv slash club twit and uh, thank you in advance because it's uh, makes a big difference uh, supporting uh, this show and all the shows we do twit.tv slash club twit denise has a new show coming soon i look forward to seeing this can't wait here's so culture dot net is that right no yep, dot com, com. okay dot mm-hmm. com and uh, denise is going to be doing a new show actually two new shows Including- I'm doing two new shows. There are two shows on the network I haven't mentioned yet. John Terranian is going to do a show called The Artist, which is going to, going to look at concerns for creatives, both in Hollywood and beyond. Nice. Um, and we have a a well-known, and his name is escaping me, um, musician. And I'm probably not allowed to say who it is oh. anyway, but, oh. but, but he's going to do a music and culture show. That sounds like it's going to be um, very fun. Wow. So, so stay tuned for those. And also uh, speaking of club twit, does, does some of that fund the Mastodon instance? It does. I got to say, Oh, speaking of also safer internet day, my, uh, my three months on twit.social has been life-changing. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you for the for, plug. Oh my gosh. It's so good. We welcome it's, any Twitter refugees that would like to join us. There are about 7,000 yeah. uh, members now in the uh, twit.social Mastodon instance. As many of you know, Mastodon's distributed. So there are many instances, more than 5,000 you can join. We restrict this to people who listen to the show. So you qualify. If you're, hear, if you're hearing my voice, you qualify. Uh, we'd love to have you there, twit.social. Uh, Denise, you're a more than welcome uh, participant there. We have some great people in there. Uh, and because oh, it's a community, and, and can I it's just great. thank you? It totally made my day when I discovered that not only do I, I'm enjoying my account immensely for the last three months, but just the other day, I discovered I have an emoji that was just, oh, oh yeah, that's true. I forgot about I that. I have an emoji. Yeah. I, never in my life did I ever think I would have an emoji. One of the cool things about uh, having your own Mastodon server is you can have 
custom emojis, and there's Denise Howell. You can add her as often as you want. Just just colon <laughs> Denise colon, and she'll be part of your uh, of your toots as they call them forevermore. I just tooted you by itself. People are wondering why did Leo? What is Leo? What's going on there? Twit that social. It's free. Uh, there's no charge. You don't have to be a club member to join, but it's absolutely supported by the club. As is our forum. Slide a little to the right there. Other way, other way. There you go. Zoom in. <laughs> Center, enhance. Zoom. Center, enhance. Good. That's close enough. You're the real chief twit, not the <laughs> fake chief. Yeah. There's That's another right. guy who calls himself that. Yeah. The once in future. Yeah. That was uh, that was pretty much the last straw. That's when I left. Do you sue him? <laughs> no. Uh, that's a, I'll tell you that one off the air. We'll tell you that story off the air. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I think Mastodon is a kind of more civilized and can never be purchased by anybody, no matter how many billions of dollars they have. So I like that. And because it's just uh, Twit listeners in, in our local timeline, it's really a great, I think it's a wonderful conversation. Very smart, interesting uh, people. Completely ad-free, no need for walls of any kind. Oh, yeah, fantastic. And yeah. a lot of people who, including, I think, I suspect, a lot of those bots that were going to get that are going to get booted from Twitter will end up here. So this may even be, uh, you know, more fun in time. Uh, we also have a, a discourse forums at twit.community, also free and open to all Twit listeners. So yeah, and that you know those aren't hugely expensive, but it costs money. It's uh, I don't have advertising in there, so anything you can do to help is great. Twit.tv slash club twit. Denise Howell, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. So great to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Will Harris. I'm excited about Unbound. It's going well? It's going super well. Really enjoying it. We've got a good, um, good slate of books coming through this year. Um, some good backlist stuff. The the Kane's jawbone still going gangbusters for us all over the world, and uh, yes, an exciting time. You know, sounds sounds a strange thing to say to me. It's an exciting time to be in um, book publishing, but it's uh, it's a it's a very cool world at the moment. Well, you're in the kind of book publishing that I think is is modern, which is you're talking about. You know, like Kane's Jawbone. I mean, this is stuff that was on TikTok, right? You, this is 21st century yeah. stuff. And I'm really I mean, excited you know, about what we, 42. What we, I mean, I cannot wait. And what we try it. and publish really is 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 things that have a, a, maybe a niche appeal, but a niche appeal to people who really care yeah. about that kind of thing. And it's like, you know, book publishing is tough when you're just trying to flog sort of $5 holiday paperbacks. Um, and you've got to sell, you know, hundreds of them in Barnes and Noble at the airport. But when you can, when you can ha get a book published with, with, you know, just a couple of hundred people who really care about it, that's, that's a really exciting thing. So do you think 42 is going to end up being like uh, a breakthrough? I am, I bet it is, to be honest with you, this is going to get a lot of attention. There are a lot of Douglas Adam fans out there. Um, yeah, I, I have yeah, a feeling exactly. this is a breakthrough. Not that things I learned from Mario's butt is not important. <laughs> and, and I have a copy of Taming Gaming on its way to me, not oh, for good. my personal use, yeah. but uh, for to to give to someone who keeps hand wringing about what they believe is a a video game problem. I don't think it's family. a problem. Excellent. This is modern. This is this is mm -hmm. kids. This is their social life. Now I got to read that. I agree. That's educated. what I keep telling yeah. them. And now I yeah. can hand them the book. Yeah. And, and again, <laughs> yeah. production. I don't, these must cost so much to make. These are, this is four color reproductions. They're gorgeous. 
You really do a nice job on these. Beautifully bound. Well, we try. Yeah. We try. Thanks yeah. for having me on, Leo. It's Thank always you, a pleasure to be up with you guys. The wonderful Will Harris, still on Twitter. He's never given up. W-I-L-H-A-R-R-I-S. We try and we try. Larry, Larry Maggot, he is at connectsafely.org. He's the president and CEO of that great organization, helping parents and kids navigate the modern world. Uh, don't forget, Tuesday is Internet. Right. What is it? Internet Safe Safer Internet Day. Safer Internet Day. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you go to saferinternetday.us and you'll find out everything you need to know and Look at our video. We, if, uh, we, I just added video to the nav bar. We've got a lot of really good interviews that we've done with a lot of experts. That uh, looks like you got a. Uh, I got a. Takes a long time. You to know render what? I have a ten yeah. gigabit connection, Larry. It's I don't not know my fault. On. Yeah, man. there you go. I am on Linux, so it's, I'm Firefox yeah, and Linux. So my, anyway, here they are. So you know. Oh, like, this um, is an important one. In fact, I'm sending this to a friend whose teenager just got sextorted. How yes. Oh, the sextortion thing. We should. Huge. We, could, we could do a. Or should, we could we should talk about that Huge. in a future show, but yeah, um, yeah, just a lot of good advice for parents. We we've got things going on in schools, and here's the thing: Tuesday night, you're sitting at dinner, talk to your kids, talk to your your partner, to talk to your colleagues at work. I mean, just don't make a big deal about it, and just talk about things like misinformation, civility. Um, I can't even remember our other buckets, but just all the things that we talk about on on saferinternetday.us. Or at connectsafely.org. And this is an international event. It's going to be uh, over 100 countries yeah. are doing it. It's not about shutting down the Internet. It's about no, communication no. And, uh, and, and, and being in touch with your uh, kids about uh, what's out there. This is the real world, you know. Yeah, uh, in, in our day, Larry, you'd tell kids, be careful when you go down to the soda shop. There's that guy, Joey. <laughs> He's yeah. always bumming bubble gum. Don't give him any bubble gum. Okay. In, that's in what, my day, I would go out on my bicycle without a helmet. Yeah. I'd leave what do we know? And come back after yeah. dark, and my parents wouldn't have any idea where. No I was. idea. And, Phone? What's that? So we think our kids are are in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> in my day, we didn't have seatbelts. Dad would just reach out to keep me in my seat if he had to stop. I was suddenly. a Boy Scout. And the boy, we would go on Boy Scout trips, and we'd get in the back of a truck. Yeah. And we'd all stand in the back of this truck, and we'd yeah. drive up to the mountains, <laughs> bouncing around. Oh, uh, you! I'm sorry you have to hear this. The old men talking. Thank Here you, Larry. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Will. You, Thank you, Denise. Thank Thanks you. to all of you who join us. We do Twit every Sunday afternoon. Saturday next week, just, you know, word of warning, uh, from 2 to 5 in the afternoon uh, Pacific time. That's, uh, let's see, that would be 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern time, 2200 UTC. Middle of the night for Will Harris. You can always, he's, he's flagging noticeably. What time is it? Is it like one in the morning there? End of one. Yeah, yeah it's like one. It's one here. Yeah, it's not so <clears throat> That's a normal time to go to bed. I uh, need more than a ring light to look good in this, uh, this time of day. <laughs> you look fabulous, Will. Fabulous. I like your green curtains in the background. Yeah, that's good. Uh, watch live if you want at live.twit.tv. If you're watching live, chat with us live in the Club Twit Discord. Or are open to all IRC at irc.twit.tv. You can always download the show after the fact. If you forget that it's Saturday next week, you can still download it Sunday from twit.tv, our website. Or go to the YouTube channel. Twit has its own at youtube.com slash twit with links to all the shows there. Every show has its dedicated YouTube channel. You can also subscribe uh, in your favorite podcast client. And that way you'll get the show the minute it's available 
Usually uh, late Sunday in time for your Monday morning commute. Thanks for being here, everybody. Now, 18 years, I've been saying another twit is in the can. We'll see you next time. This is amazing.